Invisible Man uh, never had kids. Why? Why, Brian? Because he's not a parent. Hey. <laughs> Welcome, <laughs> boys and girls, to a fucking big old fatty showdown episode. Halloween is forever. I'm Brian. I'm Meg. I'm Mr. October here in November. <laughs> here you are. Let's see how Mr. October fares so in November, gross. boys and ghouls. We here. We are in that uh, that that little bit of post Halloween. Yeah, listen. I know we're all sad. Spooky season is over for the year, but you know what? Don't forget, Christmas is. It, I, I've said this before. I'll say it again. Christmas is spookier than Halloween. It's <laughs> fucking weird. There's a lot of weird shit that happens at Christmas, a lot of spooky ass stories, a lot of creepy shit, and it's not trying to be creepy, which makes it extra creepy. Um, mm-hmm. So we're getting into, you know, spooky season phase two, as far as I'm concerned. Now, we do have that couple of week, three week span between Halloween and, and Thanksgiving where, you know, you're not fully into the the, the holiday spirit, but I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to watch Santa's sleigh. I'm probably going to get me some Bill, Bill Goldberg <laughs> in my life right after we get off this recording here tonight. Yeah, I feel like I need to take a different approach to Christmas this year. Because, I mean, last year, it definitely took me a very long time to ever feel like I was in the spirit. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. love just, you know, kicking off the season, a little bit of a soft transition from from the horror movies, from the Halloween-centric horror movies into the Christmas. You know, maybe I'll take a, a week and I'll, and I'll watch some Thanksgiving or something like that. But there's just not a lot out there. Let's let's be real about it. There's not a lot that lives in the Thanksgiving horror world, but soon thereafter, I mean, my God, it seems like every year there's 30 new. It's it's pretty much like like the Hallmark horror movies, like Hallmark Channel Christmas movies. But Tubi comes out with an equal number of new Christmas horror movies every fucking year. So uh, we've got some we've got some good ones coming down the pike. But that's not what we're talking about here, guys. Come on. Get with the fucking program. We're talking about Universal Monsters. This is our November showdown episode. All of our lovely listeners and social media friends were uh, were were very kind to us and helped us to select uh, our topic for November, which again is Universal Monsters, which was a, an absolute blast because I'm usually watching a whole bunch of these movies around Halloween season anyway. But I actually did wait until this weekend or Friday to to watch a couple of these um, because they kind of do have a little bit of a vaguely holiday vibes. We'll get into it. We'll talk about it, guys. Um, before we do that. I always like to remind you at the top of the show, if you haven't already, uh, go ahead and give us a little, uh, you know, subscribe or follow on the old social, uh, or I'm sorry, the uh, the podcatcher of your choice. Uh, and if you like the show and if you're a loyal fan of the show and if you're not a total piece of shit freeloader, like all those bastards that was hanging around around Halloween and you're sticking around and you're ride or die Go on there to the fucking, um, you know, the, the, the Spotify's or the, the Apple podcast or whatever. Give us a little five star review. Write a little kind word in there. Send me a DM. I'll send you some fucking stickers in the mail. We always appreciate if you give us a follow on the social medias. It's at Halloween is forever on all the various platforms and things of that nature. 
Now, uh, let's get into uh, uh, this week, guys. We got some beers here. Meg's Meg's recording from work right now. It's a very different background than we're used to. Isn't Steve, it pretty? Steve, Isn't it creep, beautiful? Steve creeping in the woods like he normally is this time of year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Steve is a Sasquatch. Let's mm-hmm. be real. That's just yeah. what I assume this is all about. Um, yeah. Now that I'm actually at work. I um I mean I obviously have an icy light. I grabbed something simple, but I picked. Up. <laughs> I I'm at work, so I obviously have an icy light. You acted like that was just like normal well, thing no, that happens at work. Like, so I'm well, at work, no, no, which okay. means I'm obviously hey, drinking icy let light. Me, <laughs> let me fucking finish, bro. Um, I also grabbed some chinar, so I'm like sipping Ooh. on some chinar while I'm drip sipping on what some is that? icy What's light. What's chinar? is an um artichoke base amaro. So it's oh, like super I, okay. herbaceous. I've seen the uh, bottle, but I've never like I don't feel like I've heard that word said out loud before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. spelled like C-Y-N-A-R. Right. Yeah. But it's okay. pronounced Chinar. See, I did not know how to pronounce it, but I have so seen yummy. that bottle before because I always think like, oh, artichoke. Weird. I like me an artichoke and I like me a, mm-hmm. a weird, uh, a weird herbaceous digestif, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, my 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 favorite one. I don't know if you've heard it, it's called Plinkovac. Mm-hmm. It's from Beaver <laughs> County. <laughs> <Shut up>. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is but, not. Uh, <laughs> is that a digestif? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's herbaceous. I don't know. You know what? Can't find it. Can't find it. But we Was have trying a to bunch find. here at work, so I have been trying to test. No, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, sorry, I got, horned. Top, I got all horned up shelf. when you said it got a bunch of Plinkovac. I was like, he's got Plinkovac here. I'm gonna ask he's them got to put it on the shelf. He's got I'm gonna Plinky? ask them to put on. <laughs> I yeah, can't I'm gonna ask them put it up. Um, no, we have a bunch of Amaros. Like we just mm. keep we stock them. So like I've been testing out, and I usually not a huge fan of like herbal like type drinks, but mm-hmm. Chinar is like stuck with me. It's a little bit sweet, a little bit bitter yeah. at the end, but it's nice. Is it savory in nature? Does it have it a dis- like? Could if somebody gave that to you, would it... you ever say artichoke? No. No. Mm. No. Interesting. Interesting. Is it, it licorice compared? No. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. Now I have to try it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We know we know a lot of things it isn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the way I just described it, like right up front, you get a lot of really sweet notes. And I feel like if you think about artichoke, you might be like, okay, I get this like vegetal type thing going on. But okay. it's not if you were like just drinking it, you'd be like, Oh no, this is like really nice and sweet and pleasant up front. It has like a little more like thicker body. It's not like syrupy. Mm-hmm. but like a little bit medium body. And then you start getting this like more herbal combination going on and then this ends bitter. Like mm. not as bad as Malort, but like, you know, like Malort's just like, let me just finish bitter, like oh, but yeah. aggressively and too much. Um, yeah, I love so bitter, but but yeah. Malort ends with um, aftershave. <laughs> Malort ends like with bad yeah. decisions, I feel mm-hmm. like too. I hate, people, people love to pretend that Malort isn't disgusting and listen i love chicago i have a lot of friends in chicago malort, yeah i was gonna say i'm around gross. too many people right now that are from chicago or just love malort and i am very seriously questioning my relationship with these people even even malort doesn't pl- pretend that it's bad like doesn't no, pretend no, it's like, not bad we're diving into it malort and like i saw an instagram post i think not too you know, like not too long ago that malort was just like hey we're fucking terrible drink it <laughs> yeah no they embrace the fact that it tastes super bad yeah we taste like mm-hmm. gasoline fuck but you i just yeah. don't understand what so you know no here's the problem though is that the people that i know who talk about it they won't say that it's bad 
they like it. And they pretend that they like it. I I don't, and I don't know if it's for pretend though. I just don't know. Or they have good memories around it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's that's exactly probably it. Yeah, like they have good memories. They have nostalgia around it. But I don't understand why you would ever have a good memory around that. Because how could you even remember your memories after eating that? We used to drink like (laughs) Pusser's rum back in the day, like in college, because we thought that was cool. Kind of names. Was that also made in Beaver County? It might have been. No, I think that it's a British thing. I think it's (laughs) like some British naval rum or some shit. Yeah, Pusser's is the specific rum that's supposed to be made in a painkiller. Yeah, yeah. Like that's mm. so like that's the specific rum you're supposed to use. So like cuz isn't it like it's really high proof mm-hmm. too? Isn't it like 150 proof or some crazy shit like that? Mm-hmm. Um anyway, we used to do shots of Pusser's rum cuz we thought that was cool. And if somebody would have told me in college that like, "Oh, hey, I would have been like, "Oh yeah, it's delicious, but I just wanted to sound cool." It's not. It's bad. It tastes bad. <laughs> it tastes like fucking rocket fuel, you know? Yeah. That's why it got uh, cut with a whole bunch of tiki fruits right. in the Caribbean, because we were like, right. this is disgusting. It lasts forever, uh, but boy, howdy, you got to mix it with a bunch of shit to make it palatable. Yeah. Boy, um, howdy. Boy, howdy. Um, all right, Steve, Steve, what are you drinking? I am drinking something much more simple. I'm just drinking mm-hmm. good old white lightning from full pint beer. Oh yeah, yeah, good yeah. one, good one. Haven't had that since they since they started uh, yeah, producing it once again. But back in the day, that was uh, that was certainly one I would crush. I'm a I'm no, yeah. no secret. I'm a big fan of a wit beer. If you're, I, I'll say like of the ones that came back from the original full pint profile of uh, White Lightning and uh, Chinooky and mm-hmm. Night of the Living Stout, all yeah. those came back just fine. Like they're all. You know, you may not be exactly as you remember, but they're still just very good, very drinkable. Yeah, is nice. You know what I really need to. I really want Night of Living Stout to have a redemption because I this was ooh, wow, um, twenty thirteen probably the last time mm-hmm. I had it, mm-hmm. and it was the most undrinkable, one of the most undrinkable things at that time that I had ever had, and I was really sad because obviously I really liked the idea that it was like spooky and shit, mm-hmm. but it was just like insanely bitter, and then oh, I yeah. can't remember, yeah, it was just like over the top, like I, like this is not what I want to drink in a pleasant way. I hope way. it's and still that handle. exact thing, because that's what I loved about it, is it was the only <sighs> really? like aggressively hopped, insanely bitter, like 95 IBU stout. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, it was such a just like, palate wrecker type yeah. of beer but it, th- that was the thing it's not it's not something i'm gonna drink a bunch of i'm gonna maybe buy a six pack a year honestly i'm probably gonna get one at the mixed six pack at jr's and call that a day I, they didn't have any they only had yeah. the, they only had the white lightning <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah i didn't see it this year either actually i didn't see um, um well no it, it came back this year but i don't know that it got yeah, the I just big distro i think it yeah. might have been like something you had to go to like warrendale to get so what are you chugging down there bud beers um <laughs> i'm actually drinking uh a uh, uh, co-worker of mine brought me a bunch of human robot oh so i'd be i'd be slamming Sick. some beers from human robot so i just i really like their that stuff. one i finished i had the halotel pills earlier which is a, a, a you know a go a go-to um, the Polo Tamavi, the Czech Polo Tamavi lager, which I was just finishing, and I'm about to dip into this old, uh, how would you say a thing like this? Il Cielo, I guess? Uh, it's their Italian pills, which I've not had. Mm. I've had the Polo Tamavi. Mm. I've had the Halotel pills a lot. Those are both killers. Give um, me all the Czech, the German words, uh, mm-hmm. but Italian words, no. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know that. I'm not that exactly was me sure. On behalf say. of you, Brian. No, I, I, I'm. You, you, you're 100 accurate. I can say all those words. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck il uh, cielo means. I never know when that. When is the CSC? When is the CNS? I don't fucking know. I can't keep up with this. Um, but this is their Italian pills, which I have a, a strong suspicion is probably very, very tasty as well because they don't really make any bad beers. Um, so I'm going to dump into that some bitch here in a hot sec. Um, all right. I don't think we have anything else to talk about. I think we're going to get in these motherfucking movies, aren't we? Uh-huh. Fucking go, bro. I just did some freaking push-ups, some curls. I'm getting up <laughs> my testosterone. <laughs> Got the, tea, the tea's high. I'm, I'm already sweating, guys. Party. I'm already sweating. I'm so nervous. I got a buzz going. Um, I had, Man, I I'm need... getting ready to fucking rock right now. My coworker did say that he would keep me stocked with alcohol while I sat here. That's a, that's a good deal. That's a good mm. deal. That's a good coworker, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Josh. Shout out, Josh. <laughs> Doing it up over here. Somebody's going to get power bombed because Josh is going to get mega liquored up. <laughs> um, all right. So once again, guys, we are talking about universal horror flicks um for those of you who are maybe new to the podcast because we do have a lot of new listeners especially right after halloween i don't know if you guys saw but we had like forty thousand downloads in one week or some shit like that during halloween or maybe it was more than that it was something asinine it was something stupid uh, yeah it was like wasn't four- it like last year we hit right around fifty thousand downloads at this time and then now we're we hit 160 something thousand uh, it was asinine. like just total downloads and like yeah. which i think is great it's insane oh yeah we had like sixty thousand downloads in like less than two weeks um which is fantastic i'm not gloating i'm just saying we always get this big old spike around halloween which is fantastic and then all those freeloading bastards those <laughs> rat fucks they all jump ship and then we get back to our normal you know several thousand which is wonderful we love it those are our those are the those are the hardcore listeners That's those the are the ones that are listening to us in february and march so if you're listening to us after halloween uh uh hail satan yeah. you're out here killing it you're out here killing it. It's our pizza. It's our pizza nerds in Ohio. It's our horror lifters. It's our <laughs> <laughs> right. Shout it's out our, to all those guys. Yeah, yeah. it's our it's our uh, it, it, it's our Bigfoot pens out yeah, there. Yeah, Bigfoot pens. Our decaying with the boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So anyway, um, as, as you're probably aware, we do a little uh, a little showdown episode, which is every mo- first month first Monday of every month and how that works is uh we have this big old spinny ass wheel, right? With a bunch of different potential topics on it. We pick three, we throw them out in the social medias, all our listeners and social media friends, they help us select one. This particular month, they picked Universal Horror. So each one of us picks a movie from that you know, pertains to that particular topic. And then we're gonna each talk about it. We're gonna argue why ours are superior. Um, like I said, somebody is going to get, uh, you know, there's going to be a moonsault onto a table full of thumbtacks and, 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 and firecrackers and barbed wire. Eventually, um, we are going to vote and somebody is going to hopefully take home that son of a bitch and strap for the month of November. Now, Steve is coming in, uh, with two consecutive months of victories. Yes. So he does get to decide the order in which we proceed Discussing our our uh, our various movies this evening. Yeah, what do you think, Steve? Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. I think I think I'm going to go first this time. Ooh, 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 ooh saucy pick. Yeah, 
I'm going to go orthodox. Yeah, I'm going to go first. Uh, we're going to put Meg in the middle. Okay. Then, Meg in the middle. This is a new game. I like it. Yeah, and then Brian's going to go at the end simply so we don't have, you know, two invisible man movies right next to each other. We don't have all the variable, you know, the various in, in, invisible individuals. Yeah. Well, you know back what, back. Steve? I mean, not to critique this, though. Now my brain has to go back and forth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm that's what he's hoping for. I'm all, that's what he's I, I got to keep you on your toes. Okay. And then I also have to put Brian at the end because he's already coming in. He's like, I'm hyped. I'm ready to go. You know what? Cool mm-hmm. him off. Send him at the back. <laughs> cool him off. Damn it. I knew cool I should have said it. Cool him off. <laughs> Send him to the cooler. Yeah. This, this is this is okay. fourth quarter. He's okay. trying if to do a think, kick. If no you, kick. If you, if you think I can't turn it on, <laughs> as soon, as soon as Meg's done, you're going to see me stand up. I'm going to start tuning up the bands for some fucking sweet chin music. I'm going to be over here. If you see me over here slapping my knee. You know what he probably puts in his other ear as he plays his own theme song? Mm-hmm. Just as soon as he's about to get going. Yeah. I'm just a spooky boy. Spooky boy. <laughs> that's, my, that's my theme song. I guess. Uh, can we record that, please? Like, that yeah. officially needs to become yeah. a thing. Well, I just talked about sweet chip music. I had to go, you know, I'm going down that path. Well, all, all about right. the sexy boys, even mm. more so about the spooky boys. Mm-mm. If you can get both, which almost never happens. <laughs> almost never. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to continue to not happen. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's jump into some bitch. Actually, idea for next year's Halloween costume, Brian. Mm-hmm. Be the spooky boy, but dressing mm. like the sexy boy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Your pants would just be like pleather, but like super like orange and black with some patches on it. Like I was gonna say, what if I go like full on like lux interior, the creep style, (laughs) where I have like the 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 like leather pants that are almost falling off where you can almost see the top of my dick, but my fat beer gut is hanging over the top of it too. So you're just talking about bring up your dick. You're just talking about beer gut over pee. <laughs> yep. That's the, the ticket. imagery of all of this is awful. That's the ticket. <laughs> and then he goes, I'm tuning up the band, but his pants are too tight. And then he just yeah. trips and falls and yeah. his ass is out. <laughs> I got to do that. I got to do that thing where, like, I got to bend my leg really hard to try. I got basically, it becomes a horse kick at that yeah. point. Yeah. And we are, we are thrown out of whatever venue performing in. <laughs> I ain't got that kind of hip flexor, you know, strength or flexibility these days guys his ass is out his tummy's all over the ground (laughs) there's like there's like little pebbles and paper clips and stuff all stuck to my my hair and my belly receipts and various nonsense receipts Uh, all right guys nobody wants this visual all right let's get in these goddamn flicks i'm gonna drink this italian pills and steve thinks i'm gonna cool off but i'm just getting fucking psyched even more psyched than he already was cooling off period hopefully that italian pills is bad it just makes him mad (laughs) Mm -mm, it's fucking delicious (laughs) damn all right we're gonna start with a sequel And uh, we're going to be talking about The Invisible Man Returns from 1940, directed by Joe May, which is an an alias because he was a German fella who escaped Germany, but didn't want to have a German name in the theater. 
like yeah. in the good call. In, no one did. Yeah. Good yeah. call. Nineteen forty. Good call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, <laughs> He left early, obviously, and because this movie was from 1940, he wasn't, you know, a part of the war effort on the wrong side. He was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if he would have stuck around, he might have been. But, yeah. you know, who knows? Yeah, he, who was, knows? He, he was an art nerd. And he <laughs> if it's and butts were candies and nuts, right. that's what I always say. <laughs> but, but, I mean, just, uh, just for a little background, he was like an art nerd and like he was a filmmaker in Germany and he even gave like Fritz Lang an early, like an early start. Because he was a, oh, he wow. was a producer in Germany. And He's, is he the Roger Corman of Germany of, of pre war Germany? He does, he does not have like the prolific like. Uh, but yeah, I'd say I'm maybe just looking he, also looking at Fritz Lang, and he is the most lopsided face I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> That's I mean, classic sure. German. That classic German jawline. <laughs> but it's the eyes, actually. <laughs> One's I mean, two also inches like, higher oh, than the other. He probably probably got fucked up during the war too. So oh, I, I thought you were going to say, but he's probably got a pretty big dick. So. <laughs> <laughs> Those German guys, ugly also as fuck. Also excuses that can be made. <laughs> ugly as fuck, but definitely very average. Guys, guys we're not talking about how ugly German people is. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, if that's me. He is, but we can talk about their dicks. Is that okay? We're <laughs> <laughs> not here for this that. This is the shit I'm here for. <laughs> All right, fine. Not here for German dicks. We're here for German spooky <laughs> movies. All right, fine. <laughs> but yeah, I'm on the wrong podcast. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, jo, uh, Joe May, director, The Invisible Man Returns, the direct sequel to The Invisible Man, which was based off the H.G. Wells book. H.G. Wells has nothing to do with this other than some of the characters he created. Uh, right. This is also the first horror movie for Vincent Price. Mm-hmm. Who is mm-hmm. playing the the titular Invisible Man returning, also known as Jeffrey Radcliffe, and he's Jeffrey with a G, yeah, G E G Offrey, like the Toys R Us man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's not a man. He's a he is a hundred percent an animal. Is he not an anthropomorphic animal? He st- he stood upright. <laughs> That's true. He's anthropomorphic, but <laughs> half man, half giraffe, all toys. Mm. <laughs> but yeah it, it, this one is admittedly more tame than what brian will eventually talk about mm-hmm, it's not mm-hmm. uh, the the invisible man doesn't actually return it is a completely new invisible man jeffrey radcliffe Which i totally like the moment i started put this on and started watching it i came up with an entirely different plot that would have been hilarious is like new twist flora from the first one is pregnant and the baby is actually invisible oh, and then, see, and then that would have been sick that's fucking rules actually well and they they later did steve you might be talking about this but they later did the invisible woman yeah they did the invisible woman they did the uh, the invisible man's revenge i believe there was yeah, there was revenge the, there was a, the invisible agent, mm-hmm. which was actually a cool movie, but a lot of them aren't even horror. It's weird. No, the 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 whole the series as a whole, like starting with the Invisible Man, the original, it takes a continuous downturn as far as uh, like production budget and everything. So, like, if you start with the original Invisible Man and correct it for now dollars, it's it was like a seven hundred or it was yeah it was a seven point five million dollar budget. 
Whereas like was that more from the first one? I don't know if Brian, you would know that 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 was an yeah. increase. So like first one was like cool, we like this. Yeah. Here's more money. And then got it. this one, this one was actually produced for less. This one was produced for about five million dollars. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like overall, the Universal monsters began to take like a downturn in the forties. Mm-hmm. Budget wise is what like who 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 were willing to spend what, and kind of the two big. Uh, directors are like James Whale, or I mean, just one of the big directors is James Whale. Yeah. But yeah, Joe May was took this one on and the returning thread from the original uh, Invisible Man is the the effects artist, which is I which is one of the reasons why I picked this film Mm -hmm. is I believe his name's Fulton. He was kind of the uh, photographic special effects and he's the one that developed the ability to have an invisible man on you know just on camera by photographing uh the the process was photographing kind of the background plate that you would see Mm -hmm. then he would have the actors in this black velvet suit and then whatever their costume was over it. So like if you see a shirt floating, it's a shirt over top of a guy in a black velvet mm-hmm. suit. Hmm. It's almost Got like it. proto green screen mm-hmm. in a way. Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 And it, they it, it had to be like four different uh, four different developments of the same scene. And mm-hmm. then they layered them over top of each other. Interesting. And so like this film, I, I think, is the much more refined version of that. You can tell like when you watch the original, there's still like a lot of tears and everything because like anything that was a developing uh, developing mistake like had to be hand painted out. So you still like see a lot of harsh black lines in the original. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, Joseph really perfected it on this one and perhaps the later ones aren't as good, you know, depending on like what the budget were, you know, was in those films. But yeah, you see, and then on top of all those photographic effects that he does, you have all of these fun animatronics, you know, or just simple puppets even of like mm-hmm. the, you know, when uh, Radcliffe originally gets out of jail and he's walking through the woods, you have all these timed arms of, you know, tree branches that got to move back and <laughs> forth <laughs> and then it opens you know, it opens the suitcase and the shoes come out and everything comes out, mm-hmm. you know, and, it, it, and they're all I done in real long I was curious if you takes. were going to talk about, yeah, I was going to ask, yeah. I was going to curious, like, how they did that. And I didn't know if that was related to some sort of, like, literally, like, pulley system mm-hmm. of sorts yeah. or if it was, yeah. like, a, a green screen or, like, a green screen-esque thing because... Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was a lot of, like, perfectly timed stagehand work mm-hmm. of just, like, either pulleys or guys on ladders pulling strings but like it they're great because it's all done in one long take mm-hmm. so it's not like a cut and a cut and a cut you'd get to watch this whole thing develop as he's walking through the woods and moving tree branches and you know taking the brush mm-hmm. off the suitcase you could see it um now with like obviously with the advent of like HD and stuff sometimes you you do catch a string or two um mm-hmm. but like back then it would have been you know absolutely fucking mind-blowing you know right yeah but you do yeah you do catch a string or two now and again in in both in both movies oh yeah I, I, yeah I in both movies i think the biggest one that stood out to me was actually in yours brian was yeah uh, you're gonna the, say <laughs> the bike 
the bicycle. Yeah, the bicycle. Yeah. <laughs> when he's like, I'll be taking this. Like, it's pretty clear. There's strings. You can see them. There's strings. Well, it's and outside you can, the daylight. Yeah. You know? And you can just see the line that it travels on. Like yeah, the, yeah. The, the track that it's set up on. You go, well, I wonder yeah. where that bike's going. <laughs> that direction. In that straight line. Yeah. <laughs> that straight line of disturbed dirt. <laughs> but yeah, let's jump into the plot of this one. Uh, the 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 other th- the storyline plot that connects the two is Doctor Frank Griffin, who is the brother of the original Invisible Man uh, Griffin. In a long line of horror brothers named Frank, right? Really picking up the mantle, <laughs> and he obviously has developed the Invisible Man serum, or still has what's left over from his brother's research. Even though it was like claimed that, you know, it was destroyed in the original, like uh, uh, Jack Griffin throws all his stuff in an oven and then runs off with it. But, you know, uh, I guess Frank somehow gets a hold of his serum and he uses it to help his friend Jeffrey Radcliffe, who he believes has been uh, falsely accused of murder and is currently, you know, like set to be executed. He's on death row. He's ready to go. But he visits his friend, gives him the Invisible Man serum, helps him escape, and now they're trying to keep Jeffrey out of the hands of the police, but also keep him from going mad the same way mm-hmm. that uh, Jack uh, Griffin went mad under the serum. Did they, did they really? And I might have missed this because I've only this is only the second time I've seen this one, but I've seen mm-hmm. the original a lot. They do explain in the original that um, the the serum in addition to making you invisible kind of makes you go batshit. Right. Do they explain that in this one or is it just kind of implied? I feel like they almost implied it. Like they, I mean, they definitely brought it up that that would be like the next step. Yeah. Yeah. They keep saying it, but did they actually say it's the serum's fault? I mean, I know they do the little thing with the Guinea pig and all that, but Mm -hmm. yeah, no, I, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure it, like Frank is talking about like the whole reason why he's got to find the antidote is because he knows before he loses his mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he does say that a couple times, and, but it's like, yeah. And there's a whole scene where, like, they're, they're sitting, like, around a dinner table. And, like, mm-hmm. Frank is confronting Jeffrey because yeah. he's starting to go nutty. And, like, so it, it's a he knows there's a ticking clock. Of- you wonder if it's, like, it, it almost felt like to me, for whatever reason, in the first one, he was batshit from, I mean... He was batshit from the beginning. We'll get into it. The first mm-hmm. one. This one, it's almost like he started to go, like the like the power started to get to his head right. in a different way. Like it wasn't necessarily he was being affected as much as like it was a psychological effect of being so powerful. Right, and I I think you see a little bit of the same thing in the first one. In in that like Jack Griffin is realizing like he can go around assassinating world leaders and shit like that. And mm-hmm. like in in Radcliffe brings up the same thing. He's like, oh, yeah, like nobody can stop me. We can start taking control. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't need to go back to being seen because now I'm, you know, I'm free. I can do as I please. Right. I mean, and I feel like the interesting thing is you have to like shovel all of that off of t- to the idea of being mad, because I feel like outside of just knowing that you could possibly just be invisible and do whatever you want that idea takes hold where the inhibition or like humanity of it all goes out to the world. So you just like, no, these people are just insane. Absolutely batshit crazy. Mm-hmm. 
as far as the purpose, maybe I'm looking at the purpose of the idea of going invisible. Yeah. I, well, so again, like in the first one, it's even mentioned at some point, like Jack is like, I can take this serum and I can sell it to armies and make invisible armies and I can be powerful mm-hmm. that way they as said, well. Like basically I'll sell to the, to the, you know, to the highest bidder mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. so Jack is definitely way in the mindset of like, he always was creating this for power. Whereas like, I think this, the turn on this is like Radcliffe is like condemned to be like at the behest of someone of power is what we come mm-hmm. to learn. Cause we, what we learn is that he was framed for murder. He was framed for his brother's murder. And right. like the person mm-hmm. who framed him took control of his mind and, you know, uh, elevated some sleazy hobo to run the mine. <laughs> <laughs> great character. By yeah, the way. Great and he's character. the best character. Yeah. I love a good, just cartoonish. Ridiculous. That's why I love about a lot of these universal monster movies is the, they always have some absolute, just cartoonish, silly ass character. Oh yeah. And like, there's yeah. like, there's one in Dracula of the fucking, yeah. uh, the, the asylum kind of orderly, the head yeah, orderly. Renfield. Well, not, Oh, no, you're talking about the other guy. Yeah, that yeah. one that always says something about, all he always says is like one quick liners yeah. and stuff the like Cockney that. Yeah, no, yeah, guy, the, yeah. The, Cockney, yeah. the Cockney Asylum, you know, orderly who's always mm-hmm. being outsmarted by Renfield. But yeah. <laughs> but uh, so what, uh, what I was getting at, though, is that because Radcliffe has been condemned to this life that he and his life has been turned upside down by somebody in power, now that he has power, that what that's what's beginning to corrupt him. It's just kind of an, an interesting filmmaking note. And I don't know how intentional this was, but it plays out well because of this is you never see Radcliffe until his redemption. Right. And it's even before he takes the serum, you never see him before that. No, it, that mm-hmm. that's honestly in my mind, it's the best part of the movie mm-hmm. is that little, because a lot of movies back then, I would say one like shortcoming of horror movie, like genre films in general back then, is they always feel like they have to explain everything to you. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. they really have to really spoon feed it to you. Because a lot of these tropes and things that now we can glean from pop culture and just like the general, you know, horror zeitgeist, back then they didn't really, weren't established perhaps. Right. But like the one thing uh, early in this movie is, that scene where he's escaped and and they don't come out and say between Frank and what's her name? The, uh, the fian- fiance, was it fiance? Are they engaged? I forget. Uh, but, I mean, they're definitely but, together. I, yeah. His, his, his significant other, they actually do, they do this little thing where it's like, they're trying to get, um, he's in a bunch of other universal, horror flicks too. I keep want to say Kemp because Kemp's the other guy in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Cobb. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're trying to get Cobb to like pull some strings to 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 put a some sort of stop on his execution and then when he basically is like sorry my hands are tied, then they're they kind of give each other's knowing look like we're going to right, we got to do what we got to do. Mm-hmm. And you know, he escapes and they don't really tell you why, but it's not that. I mean, I was watching with my eight-year-old daughter, and she was like, oh, they gave him some of the invisible juice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, you know, she got it figured out. But I do like that they didn't she flat knows. out say, like, 
we're going to sneak in. I'm going to give them the invisible right, juice. Yeah. Like they didn't cut, like a lot of other universal horror movies they do, or just horror movies at this yeah. time, they do tend to so, spell yeah. that stuff out. So, so it works on that level. And the other level it works on is just the idea of you, know, the people who are imprisoned in general are just mm. invisible. Because right. like you, you mm-hmm. never see him. You just assume that he's locked away in the tombs and like you're never supposed to ever see him again. And mm-hmm. you don't until he proves his innocence. You know, yeah. And how, you know, he does go about that in a very mischievous way. But <laughs> I'll say mischievous. Yeah. <laughs> mischievous. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, I mean, this movie, I, 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 I don't want to jump into to poking holes here, but I do. I will say couple things one i know what you're doing steve hmm. i know what you're fucking doing <laughs> what the- you know i got a soft spot for vincent price <laughs> you know this about me so you're so you're put you're you're throwing in a vincent price movie knowing that i'm gonna have a hard time denying <laughs> one mr vincent price but i'll say two things about him in this this is a very young vincent price oh, yeah. this was before this was his first horror role yeah. so he didn't have the persona or even the voice that you expect from vincent price and so it almost at first, like if you didn't know he was in this, you might not recognize his voice, weirdly enough. No, you probably you probably wouldn't. And I mean, I feel like you wouldn't even recognize his face at the end because he doesn't have his signature mustache and he's so very young. He's very young. And also, I never buy Vincent Price as a a romantic hetero lead because he's so gay. <laughs> like he's just like, he's, he's flamboyant. Like he was, he, I don't think he was ever like out, outwardly gay. I think he, you know, had relationships. I think he was known to have relationships with, you know, people of, uh, of, 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 you know, both cisgenders, but he, um, doesn't play as a, <laughs> even in like, um, house on haunted hill. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems like just an extravagant gay man who married a rich woman for just for the hell of it. And now he's just like out to kill being her. an old bitchy queen <laughs> yeah. about it. You know what I mean? Like he's just he's so flamboyantly gay, which is one of his most charming attributes. But I can't buy him as like a, a hetero male lead, a romantic male lead for that reason. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it I think it works well enough in this in this film because he's not necessarily again he's not leaning into the the persona he's cultivated you know later on in life you mm-hmm. know it, it's still very young for him so it's not like the most believable but i think what it really lends to is the the idea of him going mad you know i think in those scenes because i mean i would say through all three films the that we're talking about tonight the 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 romantic relationships are who cares and they're pretty stilted you know mm-hmm. like jonathan hark the jonathan harker in the dracula movie is probably the most who gives a shit like <laughs> yeah yeah he's such a bitch ass and yeah. i mean but i feel like at that I, the only thing i think about with some of these things is that i feel like they're in place because of at the time that would be the norm oh yeah you it's, know it's, you yeah, they were want like, to have some sort have of rhyme a- or reason for yeah like you can't just have this young single woman like here you know like they would start talking about her feminine wiles and start blaming her for Dracula's behavior, you know, if she didn't have like another partner. You know? Right. Yeah. It, it, it's yeah. It's a twofold thing of one back in this time, women can't be single and powerful. 
And Mm -hmm. two, uh, there's a phrase that Red Letter Media uses a lot, but it's called a case of the not gays. And that means you can't can't have male leads who like are unattached to women. Yeah. So mm. like like you have to both, you know, sub you both have to make women submissive. Wink wink. Yeah. You mm-hmm. both have to make women submissive, but also dudes hetero. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. Vincent Price is just he's way too fancy yeah. to not have a girl, you know, uh be attached to a to a a woman on screen or else people are gonna, you know, start to wonder. Yeah, they're gonna start wondering his <laughs> relationship to all these other dudes around him. Cause that's the rest yeah. of the movie. The rest of the movie is all dudes. Like mm-hmm. with hey the exception guys, we just suck each other's dicks. <laughs> just sometimes. <laughs> sometimes doesn't make hey, us a, don't doesn't say make that. us shit. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I take my cigar, my big old cigar, and I blow the cigar smoke out and I find his dick and then I suck it. <laughs> <laughs> all these movies i just love the incredibly thinly veiled like homoerotic tension in all these movies i mean unless you're a cop then you're a fucking buffoon there's no right right there's there's no homoeroticism with the police in both of these films they are the no. dumbest fucking like you would think i love squads. you would think you're watching like some sort of a cab movie <laughs> Between oh, yeah. that, between that and the the just the invisible men, the various invisible men's, <laughs> they love to just fuck with old like. Uh, they just like to fuck with English country bumpkins mm-hmm. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is just it's very it's very uh, the cops in this film are literally just how I see most cops. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. This this one is. Uh, the one in in my movie, which we'll get to, he literally, while we're on the topic, he literally walks in and goes, Hey, what's all this saying? Yeah. <laughs> like he actually <laughs> says that stereotypical line, which I'm pretty sure where that line came from. It must be this. It movie. had to be. And it's like, uh, in this, well, in this one is when it's immediately after he escapes, there's the two prison guards. And the inspector in this film, who is like the only person who has like any sense about him, is, he's talking to them and the prison guard is like, oh, and then he was just washing his hands in the sink. He was, he was. And then <laughs> his- he was like, and then he did it just like this, just like yeah. this. I swear, didn't he? And he's like, sure did. <laughs> and then his clothes was on the ground. I swear on me, Bob. Isn't that right, Bob? <laughs> on me, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. On me, Bob. <laughs> then there's another prison guard named Bob standing right there. And he's like, yeah, yeah. yep, that's how. What happened? Yeah, it sure is. did. Sure did. Right it is. Right. It was. Um, <laughs> it is. It was. And then he does the the, the scene with he even got the but old Ben who who's kind of hiding them, smuggling them, or or putting them up kind of uh, in his house. The conversation between the like country ass cop and old Ben as he's trying to not let him go up up the stairs is just cockney chaos oh yeah it, it, they're just puking cockney into each other's mouths it's so hilarious <laughs> and also like i don't know if this was on purpose or not but the cop is pretty fat 
and his yeah. costume is probably two sizes too small because like his ass is just sticking out and his guts out they just made yeah. him look so looks terrible yeah. i'm gonna say again yeah. how i saw these cops is exactly how i see cops <laughs> yeah. today perfect british uh, just, british just 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 constantly british butt cracks out everywhere like nothing's tucked in like they just ate too much I don't know. Donuts That's what my main snacks. like my main thing with cops is how ill-fitting their clothing is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I think, as a, as a nation, that's our biggest pushback with the police force is ill-fitting you know outfits. You know what, Brian? I think you've convinced me. You should give them a bigger budget so they can get better costumes. Yeah. I was all puppy from the police. But now, but now I'm like, no, I can't look at these ill-fitting pants anymore. But they're costumes. I'm just going to call yeah. them costumes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're just costumes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All police are doing Man, cosplay. Some police while li- like listening, I'm gonna get in so much trouble. One They're day. like, "What the fuck? Are you guys They're gonna fucking about? kill me." <laughs> that's what we're they do. Doing cosplays. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Just a couple other like uh, another scene that I really enjoyed is the the scene where like the inspector brings all the cops because like th- that's one of the big that's one of the big plot points of all of these films is the just figuring out the different ways to try and catch an invisible man. But the, the one scene where the inspector in this film brings this whole, you know, kind of ghostbusters army of cops to the house. It's over the top, it's yeah, over the it's top but it like, it rules. Cause like, you know, they had the, they had the step up from holding hands, which was in your film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> holding yeah, hold hands and, and wrapping themselves in like net. Yeah. <laughs> Because, you know, they 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 didn't have a lot of time to prepare. Right. They were just like, shit, what do we have laying around that we could potentially use? This time he comes in with like fucking stormtroopers. Yeah. yeah. And they have like these they have these smoke guns going on. But like, it, but he's still smoking the cigar. Like yeah. that's it. <laughs> but he, he's got to lead the charge and he's going to put the smoke out first. He's like, here, yeah. you put extra smoke here. <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're, you know, they're in the mansion trying to trap him. And then he just you know, he takes one guy in like a Scooby Doo from. No, he fucking that's what I wrote down. I said, is Jeffrey Agent 47 now? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it was so out of character for him. And they're just like, he's just like, I'm going to snag him up, pull him in here, somehow incapacitate him, put his clothes on like he is now he's now a fucking hitman. Yeah, it, I think that's one of the things that maybe doesn't come off from either film is that like does the serum give them extra strength because mm. it because it seems like it kind of seems like they're doing something like bo- yeah. both of them I mean, seem they're to nerdy do science people and in in like in reality so like our assumptions they're not necessarily like strong men mm-hmm. well they, they do say insane. something about i so swear don't they say insane, something about maybe. it like increases aggressiveness or something right so like maybe yeah, maybe it's just like really a mean in strength though yeah maybe it's an adrenaline thing though yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying maybe yeah. it's it's like the uh, you know mother picking the car up to save the baby kind right. of situation 
Yeah, well, I even think about it like when you're going mad, like you're going to have so many, like your inhibitions and reality are going to be so much lower. And so mm-hmm. like what a normal person would stop doing, you're just like, no, I'm just going to fucking do it. So like no one's even expecting it mm-hmm. per yeah. se. So like instantly gives you like a little bit of that lead in that fight when, you know, yeah. whatever it's going on and stuff like yeah. that. So. Yeah, because you're exactly right though, Meg, because Frank or uh, not Frank, but Jack Griffin in the original is uh, uh, just a little science lad. And then Jeffrey mm-hmm. Radcliffe in this one is like fancy. Ooh, he's land. fancy landed gentry. So like <laughs> neither of them would be like, yeah. you know, the agent 47 hitman, you know, <laughs> having the strength to do things. But yeah, um, that's it, the plot. I twist. tell you what. Yeah, he's actually Jason Bourne oh. in the 30s. Oh, my God. It's Jason Bourne. <laughs> um, I do. Uh, I tell you what this movie did made me want to go buy a wool suit. <laughs> looks just real comfy real cozy i forgot you know, that that was a thing people did yeah i probably i mean i'd you sweat get a, get a smoking pipe too mm-hmm. patches on like, the patches like on the things, elbow yeah it just all goes together there is a how i met your mother joke about like patches on the elbows and it's all about like someone being let down by um a, like a girl not showing up you're like you know why you have those patches on your elbows so when the girl doesn't show up you're just like Oh jeez. It's like fucking great. <laughs> Try to wrap that one up real quick. <laughs> you started going down that path for that joke and you were like, this is an audio medium. Shit. Everybody's expected to remember how I met your mother. <laughs> God damn it. I'm here to remind the folks. <laughs> yeah. Go back and watch every season but the last one. <laughs> There's a couple good scenes that really killed me. Anywho, yeah. for another episode, not this well, show. For a whole different podcast, the How I Met Your Mother well, podcast topic, that we do. This is a real, this is a, maybe a silly question. I, I Why do invisible men's never wear underwear? Because <laughs> then you'd see the underwear. Because you don't have to. Right. Yeah, I mean that. When did underwear start being a thing? Like that was just like most people wear underwear. Wait, did they have some sort of like knickers that would go underneath their knickers? I think they all wore like long thermal pants. This mm, is that sounds comfy. But this is also like sweaty. 1940, not like 1740. Also, it's British, so like they have different because they're like they call their underpants pants. <laughs> really? Yeah. What do they call pants? Britches? Yeah, slacks. Britches. Slacks. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, when did when did the original brief get invented? Who knows? Yeah, they just in both movies they it's drop not their a drawers Google and there's that nothing. I really give a fuck about right now. Yeah, but someone it's should what? and they should message us. Yeah, <laughs> I can't bring myself to look it up, but if you choose to, <laughs> Godspeed. The history of underwear. <laughs> Steve already bought a book yeah. of Amazon. I'm already there. Steve I need to the figure book. it out. Steve wrote the book. <laughs> He's just hiding it from us until it gets released. I wrote the book on underwear. Um, yeah, I don't know, but I, I feel like it's just a thing that they're prepared for. They know they're going to get naked at some point. So why get caught up in in that one thing that's like you have to lift your leg? It, the underwear take the longest time to get off. You can rip a you I can suppose. rip a shirt off. You can just drop <laughs> pants and pants are gone. You can kick the back of your heels off. I bet they don't wear socks either because they're you know socks are too hard to get off. Too much time. Talk socks. Too much time. You're saying these these guys have shifted their wardrobe significantly since becoming invisible mm-hmm. men's. Yes. 
I yes. see. I see. Yeah, I don't think they're so possible. So, what about the plot here? I'm trying to trying to like still get excited about this plot. Steve, what, excite the, me. Pl- the plot of a man <laughs> trying to clear his name. This is the fugitive before the fugitive, Meg. <laughs> what are you upset about? I'm just you trying know, to get us back on You know on that fame. You know that famous horror movie, The Fugitive. We've basically <laughs> talked about both movies in this one conversation so far. Yeah, because they're worth comparing. Yeah, they're worth name. comparing and. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the one uh, I'll add another comparison to that and just back to the effects of how good the effects are is that you have the scene that's right after the Ghostbusters smoke out scene. Uh, Jeffrey comes back into the house to call up, uh, uh, call up Frank Griffin. And it's a mirror of uh, the original. And the original has the scene where he sits down in the chair and the chair depresses in. Right. They do it again. That's great. They do it again in this film, but they make it much more complicated in that it, like it's a bigger chair and like it's the back of the chair that depresses in, it's the seat of the chair that depresses in. And then he's on the phone. And then he's just hanging out mm-hmm. on the phone, the chair is swiveling around, having a good time. <laughs> this is this movie, I'll just say it cuz I was going to wait to say it. This movie is just the first movie and then they just do a little bit more. Yeah, with better like, effects. Like with the special effects, yeah. but the story yeah. is not nearly as good. Yeah, but I was going to also say is like, I feel like what I, I almost like Vincent um, Price's like, like psycho laugh a little bit more, even mm-hmm. like when he's going mad, mm-hmm. it's just like, oh my God, like you just like felt how uncomfortable it was for everyone. So, I mean, I, I like the idea of the story in general too, of the serum that like is driving someone mad. Mm. I I still think both these stories and it kind of makes me sad that they kind of continue to go downhill the way you guys described it because in theory I feel like this like could have been something amazing and I know like they re- it was remade what with within the last 4 years well, a number right? of times but I mean the a, yeah. a specific universal one was remade in 2020 with Elizabeth Moss okay. but I mean like you have yeah. a whole yeah. bunch of other invisible man films like Hollow Man and I haven't watched it but a bunch of Scientologists made one a couple years ago oh, but Hollow Man <laughs> Hollow Man kind of rolls a little bit Is Hollow Man the Nicolas Cage one No that's the Kevin Bacon no. one where no. we see his dick <laughs> Kevin Bacon. <laughs> oh, Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. That's what I'm thinking of. I don't know why I said Nicolas Cage. Kevin Bacon. A little bacon yeah. and sausage, you know what I'm saying? A couple two meats on the breakfast platter. Yeah, see, I feel like that one was super creepy. What I'm saying is, in theory, this idea is actually a really great idea. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I love the idea of, like, the scientists, and then, like, you're getting the scientists gone mad. And But I do think, like, they just fall short a little bit on, like, this exciting factor. But... We do get a hero story almost in the end. Like, wait, I'm trying to think of where we get to clear the one guy's name. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't even know if that's even the right terminology for it, where it's a hero story. You know, like it's maybe an even anti-hero. So he's a dick the whole time and going crazy. Well, that's that's one of my main things I don't like about it is because he gets redemption, he becomes a hero, and he lives happily yeah. ever after. And it's Whereas like the in the first, first one, movie, yeah. he's a fucking villain through and through. In the first, yeah, movie. he's a right. menace, and we get so much more murder. He, he's and the, I did he's like a that goddamn a lot. monster. This movie, it's just. It's yeah, it's the fugitive. Like there's there's so few horror elements in this movie. Um, whereas he is genuinely scary in the first movie, and in this movie he is just sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Like, and, like and, people and are also, still trying to help him throughout the whole thing too. Yeah, and and you know he's I mean? like they do. I mean, the the effects are better. 
seven years later, obviously a lot more experience. Like, you know, he, the guy who did in the first movie developed a lot of those, a lot of those techniques, but you know, with the muscles and the veins, you know, when he comes back at the end, but like, I remember the first time I watched this, I'm like, you're going to take this iconic thing and then you're going to give it a happy ending. Fuck you. Can I make a point about timing and stuff like that? Because it, this, this brings up a good point though, for why I think, Steve's film went that way is I think both of our films and I was reading about it as far as that like pre-code where like even any sort of censorship between like the silent era to when we started getting sound and it wasn't really regulated even like 1934 was a little bit of a cusp of like it was still kind of like it existed but wasn't really a thing. It existed in 1930, but 1934 was like more this like cusp of when people started giving a shit about what people were saying on screen and what was happening. So mm-hmm. what I saw is like this shift from unhinged where we're like, Hey, we have sound and we can do where the fuck we want. Cause no one's really paying attention to then where films went, where we needed to have that happy ending. And I kind of saw that more so in Steve. So I'm not yeah. trying to make an excuse or just, I think that's the explanation for even why it ha- almost had to go that route and see, I don't know if you, there was any more history of shit got cut or what, but um, I, w- I would yeah. just say, look at, I mean, the majority of like horror films from the 40s and 50s are all kind of this way though like like i think the perhaps the original invisible man is a little bit of a standout in the in the fact that it is it's stuck closer to the source material and just has that all that unhinged nonsense going on but like Mm -hmm. when you get into films of the 40s and 50s they all have like these sappy happy endings Mm. they're not it's hard to call it you know i mean nobody is going to be scared by this in modern day like they still Mm. didn't even really like perfect the jump scare (laughs) as you can still as you can tell in like a lot of these films you know the the soundtrack the the sound design is very amateurish in most of them Mm -hmm. so like it it's it's hard to like put on this film I'll, you know i mean i can i can objectively admit that it yes it probably would be less scary than the 1933 invisible man but i think there's still mm-hmm. plenty enough horror elements of just seeing an invisible person and seeing the way he menaces the people around him and the horror mm-hmm. of becoming a monster when you're not one you know, mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. and we have to also define like the idea of monster too, though, in this, like, in it, like, so it's like, we have to be very clear about our interpretation of what this monster character is, because like, obviously if, for my film, like Dracula is a very clear evident, we know year after year, he is this monster. And this invisible man has like kind of shifted in times where like the first one, I'd be like, that is an evil human who has gone mad. Mm-hmm. I mean, he might not have been evil at one point, but I see that more as like, quote unquote, a monster. And depending on how we really want to critique these, I wouldn't see as your film as much of like the idea of like a monster versus the first. Well, this, solely this... because of that development, I think that I'm understanding 
is like, I think they had to create this happy ending for it, that he had to come back, that it wasn't actually this monster, but he did become one, you know, throughout the film. Yeah. He was, like, he did have these characteristics. It's just, if we're comparing, and you two did it to yourselves, we're comparing the two, <laughs> all right? You did it to yourselves. But I mean, this, the, the idea of the monster in this one is that he is becoming it. You know, they see it coming down the tracks and right. the like it's obviously directly referenced in like that, you know, they say the original Griffin killed like oh, hundreds of people. So they mm-hmm. see it happening and they see all of the telltale signs of like he's becoming more power mad. He's become he's like getting close to crossing lines of like almost yeah. killing the people that, you know, he you know, the, the, the denouement of the film is like, you know, him chasing down his, you know, uh, chasing down the murderer, the real murderer of his brother, the person who set him up, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like, does he cross that line? So, yeah, I think that, I mean, the, ultimately the bad guy in this movie is, is Cobb, right? I mean, he's, he's, he's the, mm-hmm. you know, quick, you pretty quickly realize not too far into the movie that he is really the, the antagonist of the film and, and Radcliffe is like, he threatens to be, you know, this, this kind of monster or whatever, but he never really goes down that path. So it's like, it almost become the monster becomes the, 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 the infliction, if you will. That he's that 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 he's suffering mm-hmm. as opposed to, which I guess you could say it's, it's not the Wolfman's yeah, a little exactly. bit like that. It's not entirely dissimilar from the Wolfman, and like Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde is you know, also yeah. very similar in, in like even more so similar. Yeah, because of, I guess that's more of a sci-fi. That's interesting now that I think about it, is because that is a pretty pretty regular sci-fi trope. I mean, you could even go as far as say Frankenstein's that, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Even though it was like the brain of a murderer or whatever that they put into him. I mean, the, the science fiction element, the experimentation, the playing God thing is what turned him into a monster. But oddly enough, the Wolfman is the only one that is like a, a slightly sympathetic character. That's supernatural. Right. Yeah, and 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 it all depends on how you want to interpret the Wolfman because there's always been, and Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde is like, there's there's always been the subtextual link to alcoholism, right? So so it always depends on how much. Oh yeah, it's know. always something. It's always something that's taboo to talk about, whether it be alcoholism or you know we'll get into it, I'm sure with Dracula, which is probably homosexuality i mean that's like that's the big one of the biggest themes of 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 dracula and, and vampire lore in general but it's like Dracula's uh, a pimp guys okay <laughs> don't worry uh, that's in my notes that's it that's your whole it's argument my notes. dracula um, pimp but it's like it's one of those things <laughs> where okay was coach. some somebody did like with the wolfman and stuff somebody did did something that warranted this curse, whether it was decades ago or generations ago or whatever. But these ones are more like somebody flew too close to the sun from a, from a science fiction perspective. So obviously, you know, Dr. Frankenstein, the first one, this one, it's like Radcliffe, Radcliffe really is just a victim of circumstance Mm -hmm. that because Frank is the one that that administers the drug or suggests it or or wields the drug in some capacity. I don't know. I just feel like 
whatever the hell uh, Radcliffe's first name is. I was going to say Daniel Jeffrey. Radcliffe. It's not Daniel. <laughs> Jeffrey Radcliffe. Joffrey. Uh, Jeffrey Radcliffe. Like he's kind of doesn't have much of an arc, which sounds weird to say because he does have the, all the emotional swings and everything, but he doesn't, you don't know a lot about him besides, oh, he was a good guy. Then he took the drugs. Now he's kind of maybe going to be a bad guy. Yeah. But no, now he's, he's fine. Well, I mean, Jack Griffin doesn't have... It's the same thing with Jack Griffin, though. And I think it's... But he's a monster. Okay, yeah, he's a, he's a monster. But, like, you spend so much time with him. And that there's mm-hmm. also so many other people concerned with his situation. That there, yeah. like, you want to somewhat be sympathetic up until he crashes the train. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, even before that, he pretty much, I mean, in the scene at the, at which by the time we get to my movie, I'm not gonna, there's yeah, not gonna well. be anything left to talk about. <laughs> but, but, but the, uh, the scene at the inn, you know, the very first scene, he's lost his shit already. He's lost his shit, but like, it, you, there's a possible, there's a possibility for him to come back as well. It's like, there's, I don't know. He chokes somebody and throws him down the steps right in the first goddamn <laughs> scene, pretty much. He does. Like, he he's does. done so. He's, he's real done violent. So. He also comes off more menacing from the beginning. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, which, Claude but again, Rain's it's performance because, is just, yeah. You know, in the return, like, he wasn't already gone batshit. Right. You know, like, mm-hmm. we are, we're seeing from two different starting points. Um, but anywho. So, but yeah, so Continue. in that case, the like, you do see more of an arc with Jeffrey because like the first couple scenes where he's just like lamenting and he's, you know, upset of his position. He is, he is sympathetic and then he becomes insane and you begin to worry like, Oh, is, you know, are they going to lose this person as well to the power and the madness? Because he starts bringing up all the exact same things that Jack did. Mm -hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he starts thinking about how he can just get away with murder and he can do whatever he wants. And like he's he's no longer bound to society. You right. Know? And, and like that's what yeah, the, that's, does. that's mean, what the horror element is, is, is it's about losing your place in society and then just becoming, you know, above it. Like, yeah. Like I, I'll just, I'll just be what they say I'm gonna mm-hmm. be, kind of thing or yeah. something. Yeah, I'm gonna be the jonkler. <laughs> <laughs> the dang jonkler. No, I, I, it's, I like this movie. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm crapping on this movie. It just, it just feels like a not as good version of the first one. <laughs> oh, so all. says you. I mean, that's just really what it so feels says like you, to me. But I say it's better because. So wait, okay. Can we please just talk about? the fucking Brian's movie because like it's I feel like if we're gonna fuck with the flow of the nope. show if we don't he's gonna get iced <laughs> <laughs> you're All also right, affecting me-, me Steve so that's affecting my vote bro <laughs> oh now we got some we, we're politicking yeah. in here so here, I, here look, so I'm not politicking oh my god that's a great- <laughs> look I'm not worried about what this does and how this upsets you Meg because of all the other notes I have on Dracula anyway. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm going to roll oh, my shit, eyes. Bro. Oh, shit. Um, all, right. all right. So here, here, here are my last comments on this movie, and then I'll shut up. Um, a man as rich as Cobb, you got to be able to afford a gun that fires rounds without having to throw them out of the barrel. <laughs> You know what I'm talking? The way he fires that gun cracked me up. It's like he has 
the rounds that he like it's like a musket you know that he rolled the ball down inside <laughs> and it has to throw them out like a high lie fucking Brian, paddle or this something this is 1940 okay there is I an know, ammunition dryness it all has to go to the war effort <laughs> that's true that's true that's true fair fair even rich people um, can't afford to be having nice service weapons <laughs> the um the the other thing i'll say about this one is two two things that stuck in my craw it's not as big of a movie as as like it's hard to go in the other direction right so what i mean by that is okay take halloween for example Mm -hmm. you start with the first one it's it's a small story it's you know michael myers terrorizing you know a handful of teenagers blah 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 even within because i've been thinking about a lot because i rewatched um halloween ends which now i kind of love um but he <laughs> there was like i know i don't know listen How we'll talk, did you make we'll talk that about left it turn. we'll I'm talk done with you, about Brian. it guys. it's a good spider-man film all not I'm, on this episode all not I'm, letting saying, you, I'm not giving you that floor no, <laughs> no all, okay all i'm saying is it starts as a small story and expands into a big story that encompasses the entire town like that's usually what happens with sequels the first movie um the first invisible man is a big it's a big movie you know what I mean? I would say even amongst the Universal Monster movies, it very few of them span as as broad of a you know. You see people across different landscapes, tons of different settings. The freaking train, you know, it's in the papers. It's like he is a scourge on the countryside, right? And then you come back to this, and it's and it's not. It's just affecting a handful of people again. Um, you know, there's freaking a hundred cops surrounding his house in the first movie. And then this one, it just, it just feels like a smaller story. And it's so hard to go backwards. Once you have this big story to go back to a small story. So that, that, that kind of bothered me a little bit. The other one was the culmination scene at the end with the big set piece of the, the coal car. At, at the Radcliffe Mines was fine, but how does a cop shoot a person from 80 yards away with a revolver that's invisible? And also, why did Cobb confess his crime with his dying breath? Like, I, I just, those two things, just, I was like, what? It just was Because seemed... we needed to wrap it up. That's basically that's what, I'm what saying. they're, they're like, they... let's wrap it up. Let's like have our happy ending. And that was one step towards it. It, did. it would have been so much better if this was an hour Radcliffe and 20 minutes. And it definitely could have only Cobb. been an hour like the first one. Yeah. I mean, if, if Cobb killed, if Cobb, Ratcliffe killed Cobb, they both tumbled down. They both died. And then it was like, oh, poor Ratcliffe. He went mad and killed his brother and killed Cobb, and he's now a villain in the eyes. You know, he was this great guy. Now he's a villain, and it was this, like, melancholy kind of end to it. But no, he's got to have all these convenient things happen that re- that lead to his redemption and ultimate survival, question mark? Like, it was just, <laughs> it just, it, man, it just... There were so many strings that were just laying all over the place, mm-hmm. and then they just magically got tied up in the fir- in the last like ninety seconds of the movie. Oh, a uh, blood transfusion! That's insane. Oh, a blood transfusion oh. did, and then they even were like, "Okay, I'm gonna give him the <laughs> I'm gonna give him the antidote. It might not I'm work. Sorry it to might speak. it might kill him." 
Never mind, he's fine. <laughs> I shouldn't be talking so much yet. That's just what I do. Yeah, but that stunt where the guy falls off the the, uh, the coal car, it's pretty fucking dope. It was good. It was good. It was Look, good I, pretty sick. Pretty I'm, sick. I'm letting you just go on and on about how things are so easily wrapped up, but that's your film too, Brian. That's your film too. No. Okay. <laughs> and that's Meg's we'll, film as well. They didn't know how to write endings back then. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I agree that they didn't know how to write endings. Everything ends very yeah, abruptly. That's everybody's film. This one got wrapped up in such a pretty little bow that it bothered me. Fair. Okay, fine. Yeah. But like also your film gets wrapped up it, like the bow may not service like a happy ending, but yours just mm. gets wrapped up like the, the ending conceit of yours will get to. But it's just as stupid. They want But they want to sh- they wanted to show the transformation back. That was a That's big, not that even was what I'm talking th- about. We'll talk about it when we get to it. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Oh, you rap fuck. <laughs> Yours is oh, just you as dark. <laughs> All right. All right. We have anything. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I went off on a tangent there. What is there anything else? Any other uh, elements we need to discuss on this some bitch? I don't think there's any more elements uh, other than just like, you know, how cool that uh, the scarecrow scene is. And then the. the that's yeah. a good scene. Yeah. Great scene. Mm-hmm. Was he supposed to be shot at that point? Yeah, because that's because it's after the coal car incident. So like okay. he's yeah, he's yeah. kind of he's hobbled, and like this is where he decides to just reveal himself to get help. Yeah, so, that's a good yeah. scene. And then yeah, okay, cool. you know, he gets a transfusion, <laughs> and that was that was what saved his life. But it's it's Perfect. it's oh it's subtextual. You hated that near dark. All I'm saying is you hated that I near dark. It. But it's subtextual. <laughs> it's subtextual because they're injecting humanity back into him. Yeah, well, so were they in near dark and you hated that shit. Shut up. I can look. I can I can taste my mind. No, I can ignore twenty five seconds of a film to enjoy the rest of the hour twenty. That's true. That's true. Especially mm-hmm. when considering every film from before nineteen sixty didn't know how to write an ending. I suppose. You just not like criticism. Anywho. You ready is to it, get in? Is it my turn, guys? <laughs> It is. Here it is. Oh You're my here. god! We're You're here. on the spot. It's time for Dracula. Oh, let's talk about Draculars. Uh, fucking ready for this shit. So, I hope you are, gentle sirs. <laughs> you guys both chose the same movie, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> mine was made first. There, don't worry. <laughs> mine was made better. I came first. <laughs> sure, we can we can talk about these things afterwards. Um, so Dracula. This came out in 1931 and was directed. Browning was yeah credit. Yeah. He co-produced and stuff, which I I really like because I started reading a book at one point about like history of horror and like Todd Browning, like also had released um, freaks, but he has like such a cool, I think background in general as like, like a director like actor screenwriter and like also did like vaudeville performers so like even other seeing other things he did like he has a cool background i like Mm -hmm. him anywho let's keep going but this uh rendition of bram stoker's dracula um was a basically portrayal of dracula from the 1927 broadway stage projection of dracula versus just like directly coming from 
the book itself. But what I love even just to kind of preface like how like not even necessarily I mean influential. Yeah. But like this movie basically set the stage for what Dracula and like what the portrayal of it could be. And I think it is still just like such an iconic figure in that sense. And that's like Bella Lugosi who did the Broadway um, productions of Dracula kind of be characterized um, even between like the makeup, the style of dress, the mannerisms, like that slow talk and even the accent and everything for the character and whatnot. And I think, that was one of the things I think that even drew me into it from the beginning, besides just watching this film and loving a lot of the char- the things that happened. But, but to talk about some of the origins of Stoker's novel, many people believe that he, um, that to create this like immortal anti-hero, anti-hero of Count Dracula, Stoker drew upon like, popular central European folk tales um, of the idea of like Nosferatu or like the undead. But also I'm going to kind of, this will be kind of like a controversial because I, some of the research behind that, like he may have drawn some characteristics of Dracula from Vlad Tepes or Vlad the Impaler. And mm-hmm. even talking about being born in trans Transylvania and his uh, father was Vlad the second Dracula and Dracula basically is like the son of Dracula and Dracula meaning dragon. So these are like kind of really fun background is like a really great name. And some of the research even behind that idea that this character being named for Vlad the Impaler, having like characteristics of being very brutal, um, Vlad being known for killing his victims by stabbing or like impaling them with a wooden stake. But I also love the accounts where he could have potentially, again, these are just like tales of, I don't think they have full, I mean, he definitely was a very brutal human, but um, there was a note that he may have also like dined with some of the bodies that he impaled and even dipped bread into their blood. Again, I feel like these are just stories and tales, but he it does not take away from like how brutal of uh, of human he was in protecting his country of sorts. Um, yeah, so definitely it's a weird like he's thing that they always, Oh, sorry. I was going to say it's such a weird thing that they different vampire and specifically Dracula incarnations of the story over time weave in such dramatically varying amounts of historical knowledge (laughs) like i've I've been i've been watching the castlevania um animated series you know Uh, and Mm -hmm. it's it's that one's so so wildly off but then like you go back to uh dracula 2000 Oh, that yes. one was so much about like the uh, the 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 historical link, you know? yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. right. Well, which I think that actually that movie took- sucks so bad. I hate <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> but I feel like that probably took the idea that Bram Stoker could have possibly driven influence. But there's this woman, um, Elizabeth Miller, who she just basically she did a lot of research on like this like gothic folklore and liter like literacy, and so she has been kind of this controversial figure being like, there's no way that Bram Stoker actually derived these um, characteristics from Vlad the Impaler. 
mostly because she believes after rereading the book that he probably had this story, you know, based on pulling some stuff from folklore and then just had the idea for this vampire and then just needed a really good name. And Dracula kind of like was like, oh, Dracula. And I mean, very well could have had, I think it was more so like this overarching like idea of what Vlad did, but doesn't actually know fully what he did because she believes that if he did, that he probably would have derived more of the history from it. Um, but overall, she's like, I just think he like had no clue about it, but like kind of had an idea about what Vlad did. And then just really liked the idea, like the name Dracula itself and thought Mm. it was a very menacing, haunting name. Yeah, that's what writers do all the time. They find something that sounds fucking cool and then they include it. Doesn't it mean like red dragon Yeah, it means dragon in like... Dragon. In Romanian. He probably fucking heard that at a bar one night. (laughs) It was like from like a Romanian person. He was like, you know about the dragon? Can you guys do an impression? Yeah, I was going to say, can you just say that he probably like just called it Dracula's like back yeah. then too? It'd be really yeah. funny if it was like a Cockney accent or just like, like you guys do it better. But I just want you guys to do that. And it got like talk about Dracula. And then there was Cockney some like accent. Chinese guy down at the end of the bar that was like, Dracula's hop. And they were like, shut up. <laughs> they do yeah. not. Shut up. For sure. <laughs> no, they don't. He's like, I swear well, to God, they chop a hop. <laughs> Well, yeah, so, but this film itself, like, in this whole idea of, like, universal pictures, like, really set the stage for what this universal horror could be. So it was, like, very influential. I think, honestly, probably could have helped other films get more money because they're like, this had such success at that time that we can also do other stuff. Um, I'm going to open a beer or two while I'm talking. <laughs> but okay. Open a um, beer or two while I'm talking or open a I beer or yeah, two I mean, again, while I'm, I'm talking. I'm, I'm, I'm at work, so in theory, there's people who wait on other people. It would just be fun. I just imagine you going like cracking two. One with each hand, and then just stone cold them. I would have, I would have pierced them with my thumbs and shotgun both of them at the same time. Though that's what I would have done. Um, <laughs> so, to briefly talk about, or not briefly. I mean, I'm hoping. This, I mean, this movie wasn't long. It was an hour long, but I feel like it was still jam packed with like really fun moments where um, we meet our character Renfield, who is basically trying to solicit count dracula to purchase this place what was it something abbey like colfax abbey Mm -hmm. in london and he's basically showing up to transylvania being like hey motherfuckers i gotta go meet this dracula guy um and they're like dude don't do it just don't do it he's 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 a scary motherfucker we think he's the nosferatu he's he sucks blood we have all like we have all these of us we hear we see bats and we hear howling he is not he's a good so dude. weird but he's so weird. scary and he never wears a shirt, <laughs> wears a shirt. <laughs> you make my boss bleed right now where's that fucking robot <laughs> <laughs> Somehow you didn't think Dracula was going to get to Danzig, but it did. We'll get there. (laughs) You can't. You can't go from A to B with Dracula did Danzig um, pipeline. (laughs) Danzig took that name because again he heard it from a Romanian person and thought it was cool. So wait, are we saying (laughs) that Dracula is the like 
Kevin Bacon of like horror at this point to misfits. <sighs> he might be se- yeah, degrees seven, degree, seven degrees of Dracula. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so Renfield, he um, gets toted off to um, Count Dracula's uh, mansion. And like the first hint we get where like weird shit's going on and he sees it, but he doesn't fully question it. He's like, I was already prefaced that shit could be weird. His driver disappears, which I, after reading a little bit more, I at first thought that maybe the driver was just also a vampire and turned into the bat. But I believe more so now that like he was somehow just like, killed and murdered and like taken off and then the bats are basically like making these horses take him to the castle which again no it was dracula was the driving carriage that may what that wasn't dracula like he gives him the eyes the guy who's driving him in the carriage to castle dracula is dracula Okay, somehow missed that. That's totally my bad. Again, sorry guys. No, it's all right. No, but so that makes that makes more sense than my first thought that I was like, which is why he turns into the bat while it's going. Yes. Yeah, and then he's like, it's all right. Well, yeah, because he can talk to animals and shit too. That's like a dragon. He can also be animals. He can talk. He can be animals. He can talk to animals. And yeah, yeah. Renfield makes it to the castle where he is officially greeted by Dracula, which I almost like even just one comment on like leading up. I loved majority of the things I love about even this movie are just like the backgrounds, the stages that they create for this film. I think they're mm-hmm. just incredibly encapsulating. Like it just, I, 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 they're very enchanting. Maybe even that's a better word. No, they're I very, really, they really are like it. this and the Wolfman. I think of as the two movies that when I say like spooky, Halloween shit, I'm thinking of <laughs> the opening scene of Dracula and, or a number of scenes in, like foggy at night in the woods. Yeah. You know what and I you, mean? You, you can yeah. tell like with the sets in particular and, and like kind of the way Dracula's castle mirrors uh, the Abbey that we see later, they both have like these huge staircases and everything. You can tell mm-hmm. that's probably based on what the Broadway show was. And then they made them bigger. Sure. Cause like, that's kind of a very common thing in like in theater of like, you make these huge two tier sets and then that way you can feature people that are upstairs and have a scene upstairs and then switch spots to you know people who are down on the main floor yeah it's like an oliver twist mm-hmm. kind of thing you know sure. you can have them upstairs but it's uh it, it does it feels like a that scene is which is my favorite scene in the movie you know when they go into the castle that is the grand i mean that's a fucking big mm-hmm. set piece it's insane yeah no no and it, yeah it's super beautiful like i immediately though upon seeing it the first watch that i had of this it was just like this is like an ansel adams photo <laughs> that i just like but spooky but inside and i'm spooky. like here for <laughs> but uh, well no even just leading up to the castles oh, okay. what i initially my when i initially had that thought was like the backdrop mm-hmm. so i was like i feel like i'm looking at ansel adams photo um but anywho, so um, Redfield and Dracula, they they get down to brass tacks of sorts. Are like, yeah, I wanna I wanna get you into this house. Yada yada yada. Dracula's looking for hosts in different area <laughs> I'm gonna, codes. I'm gonna. I, what do I gotta <laughs> do to get to you into this, this house? I, I will say though, like we we have we have this set that is very cool, and then you have like 
one of the weakest things about this is like we talked about how like the sound design is not good at this point because it's still early but he hears a dog and he goes do you hear the children of the night a dog actually no i wrote that down i love that it's a that line literally that's a classic line i'm i'm not even joking i wrote that down because of how much I actually like it. Listen that to them. Is- Children of the night. What music they make. And I yeah. think it's like, I feel like though this is like showing this creepy side that he's like, you're kind of creepy. But he's totally selling it. I'm still, I'm still yeah, cool. No. Yeah, no, he's well, like, I'm here thing. to sell. Lugosi's you're a weird guy. But yeah, I- Lugosi's totally selling it. I'm saying the sound design fucking betrays him by being a shitty dog. Oh, because it's... Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay, that's fine. But we get the same dog throughout the entire film. So I, that, that- I know, that's the thing. It's through the entire film. And he's... It's- <laughs> this is such a... It's such a small thing to pick on because there's way bigger things Oh, no, and I'll, I'll pick on those as well but it's it it it, oh, it leads okay. it, it, it just kind of sets you up to have lowered expectations yeah. for the rest of the things that happen in the film which are really yes i i mean i don't know i feel like when i was watching it i still always put myself this time and place because one of the things that we already talked about sound design in some of these films and i think this one being one of the early transition between silent films to like films that had sound of sorts Mm -hmm. is that like they weren't and i don't think they knew how to use music throughout at this no they didn't get it yet and i think i just feel like the scenes that they're setting i think because of the pace of how things went it almost aided in this eerie feeling that I that I felt, and then, yeah. and then again, me putting myself in a time and place, but at the same time, witnessing this as like for what it is, I was, I I still think they did a great job between like creating the visual aspect for it that I never was like bored whereas i think now with our attention spans of sorts if we don't have sound we don't have something going on to like distract us like i i need something to look at that's going to keep me watching and i i personally feel like they did that with a pace and just like how they did the conversations um like even just like certain scenes you know like when they're I think this happened right before the scene that I'm really describing is like everyone's coming out of their coffin. I felt like there's certain aspects where in theory, if there was a sound design, they probably really didn't need to do like the hand, but I felt like that was so iconic of like, you know, um, Dracula's wives coming out of the coffin and then Dracula coming out too. I felt it was like, this is the most badass and would be so spooky. Well, and this would have been wild back then. Yeah, you got you definitely you have to think like this is the movie that put Universal on the map, like Universal Mm -hmm. Horror on the map. So all these tropes, all of that stuff like this would have been really transgressive. There's a point from Nosferatu a little bit too. I would almost say that a little bit with like the hand thing, but like, well, yeah, I it's certainly Nosferatu is way scarier. But this is like you got to understand, like there there was no dialogue. Universe. You never heard Nosferatu mm-hmm. talk, right? You know what I mean? It was obviously silent. So you have to have the they have to build in the novelty of the like at this point comedy or uh, 
you know, Takis are still kind of a <laughs> yeah. novelty at this yeah. point. Sidebar, though, I would also always picture Nosferatu's voice to be like how the monsters portrayed. Oh God! Him in this new film, he's just like Rob this nerdy, like, uh, 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 God. like I well, just want to talk about my rats. That oh movie God, would not so Nosferatu funny. if it was made. You know, uh, what year was Nosferatu made? Nineteen. 2021 yeah i was gonna say 21 22 if it was made a decade later it would not have been scary because if they would have put like voices in that it's not like this one's terribly scary either but it's it's interesting it's It's interesting i I don't know i don't know just i think it hurts it now um but like back then yeah obviously the hands coming out of the coffin is like an iconic image and everything but it's interesting it's interesting that they do it so early because it essentially gives up the ghost that Dracula is like, you know, a, a bad vampire guy rather than just letting the uh, the the mystery unravel that. Oh, yeah, he actually does have power and he is like turning people into vampires like he has this power. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting. They give it up but so early. What I, what I was going to s- but what I'm saying, what I was going to add was like to Brian's point early on where you have to spoon feed this shit. And I think what it gives the audience is like this power to know, like, this is a bad guy. Yeah, you don't know he's a bad guy. So they're almost allowing you to like get ahead of the story, mm-hmm. but you're still fearful for what that actually means. Because you don't yeah, know. The terror totally what it is means. from it's not a mystery. Right. It's, uh, you know, it's the horror coming from. He doesn't know he's in danger, yeah. right? Which, which is why, right. which is why I say it works for like it works for back then, but I don't think it works as well mm-hmm. for now because Dracula is so, you know, it's everything so yeah. ubiquitous. You know sure. everything. Like this movie now is wildly predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but you'd you, be you hard have to, to like. You, it's hard. It's kind of like even zombie films now. Like it's hard to create like a very unique story for these films because we just, fucking yeah, know so much how how they go. But mm-hmm. I like again. I I feel like we're all talking about movies that came out in the 30s, and like my mind is fully into like. Even even any holes we want to like pick at, I think they still I still want to think about it from like the lens of if I watched this at that point, that would be so spooky. That'd be so scary. But also the idea of like knowing this person who is in theory alive and a human and a normal dude who's just trying to sell the guy fucking real estate. He doesn't fucking know. And he's just being tricked and he's going along and he has no concept that anything bad could ever happen. Um Basically, after, you know, they they know that um, Dracula is going to try to purchase this Carfax Abbey, but he already in his mind knows he's buying the house because his whole idea is he's just trying to get to England. Again, hoes in different area codes. He is <laughs> trying to she's trying to spread his vam- vampiric power elsewhere. Um, but that night, uh, Renfield is first like greeted or um, Dracula's three wives you know, meet him in his room, but Dracula gets there first. He's like, no bitches, this is my territory. Go do your thing elsewhere. Again, it feels almost weird. Like I wanted to know Dracula had these multiple wives of this woman that he is like taken power over. And I think it just speaks to just like what his character is like, it, he, you know, I, I don't, again, I just like I joke in saying that he's a pimp is like, you know, he just wants to have control and power over all these things. But I think mm-hmm. it's just the essence of who he is as a monster. Um, Wasn't so, like he's he's so gay. 
Like he's the gayest monster of all time, <laughs> right? Definitely buff. Because yeah. you know what? I did have a note. Well, I'm like, he didn't Wiz actually wasn't turn Todd Renfield. No, that's true. Because he's like the whole familiar thing where he's just like on the outskirts, never really letting him in. But isn't wasn't I, I shouldn't get on this path because I don't know those store. But I, I thought that Todd Browning was gay or was a like closeted gay. Mm, and then and then maybe. this was and that's what part of the reason why he, you know, kind of took the, the story in this direction. I don't know. But throughout history, I might be wrong about that. Don't quote me on it. But well, you um, mentioned it and stuff like that with our story, this story. And I'm like, I didn't really know where I could pick that up in essence, you know, in reality. So, yeah, um, if you but. I think a lot of closeted things definitely were tried to be like pushed through. Well, I mean, um, Hollywood obviously is like uh, 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 f- since its origins, not only Hollywood, but even going back to, um, you know, to to Broadway and to even to vaudeville. There's always a disproportionate amount of gay people totally. in in entertainment. And it was obviously very not okay in fact in a lot of instances illegal to be you know to to express your your oh yeah you know natural sexuality at this time for for these people so that's why that's like this is one of the earliest examples of horror being transgressive Mm -hmm. in a in a in like a healthy way um in or in not even a healthy way in a in a progressive way, I guess is the the way I should say it. But, um, Mm -hmm. it like looking back on it now and, and maybe I, people wouldn't even have saw this, you know, 10, certainly not 20 years ago in the same light as now. But now when you watch this movie, you're just like, Dracula is super gay. (laughs) Like it's just so surface level now comparatively, which would, it would have been super trans transgressive back then. But, Mm -hmm. um, just looking at yeah, totally. just looking at Browning's Wikipedia, it it makes no mention of yeah. No, I think that was maybe uh, maybe I'm getting him mixed up with another performer or another act or another it's director. Possible, yeah. But I know like one of them that that was associated with with some of the Universal monster movies where it was. Oh man, now yeah, I should I, I should have looked this up. I meant to ahead of time and forgot. But yeah, sorry, I completely interrupted you. But the, the, the one other thing I was going to I was going to bring up around, you know, this movie in particular compared to some of the other because I, I love this movie. I love all the you know, kind of classic, you know, big pillar universal monster movies. I would say the one thing I'm I don't like about this one in comparison to some of the other big like pillar ones is and this may be sacrilege, but Bela Lugosi. Not great. Like compare, <laughs> compared to Why? some of the other, like other people who played Dracula or just other people. No, who just in general, like, like, like compared to Lon Chaney Jr. Mm. or compared to Claude Rains or compared to Boris Karloff. Okay. Like he doesn't have the acting chops that those sure. guys do. Um, or, or maybe that's not fair to say his acting style doesn't translate to the screen sure. as well as the other guys do. Yeah. So the he, way you said that, I was almost going to think it seemed like he did primarily like Broadway and like stage, like performing. Yeah, too. And a, so I mean, like, a lot of these guys give were, like any sort of like excuse for it, but I can understand, but, and I don't really have much of a retort for that either. Yeah. yeah he just, he's just not like, I mean, 
um, uh, what's his freaking name? The guy who plays uh, Renfield, Dwight Fry, steals the show. Oh yeah, I mean Absolutely. he acts circles around Bela Lugosi. Yeah, um, and he and he went on to have this huge. Not that Bela Lugosi wasn't a lot of things, but he. I mean, even looking back to like White Zombie and stuff, Bela Lugosi, his 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 trademark was. I stare. A zoom in on his face and <laughs> yeah. he has, mm-hmm. makes a creepy face and he stares at people like that's yeah. kind of his thing. And of course, yeah. he got the he got the he got the role of a lifetime because that's what this move this, you know, this yeah, this and, is all about. And but and I don't know. I mean, those definitely feel like I, I like the way you said it, too. It's like I don't know if it translated to screen, but I feel like the idea that like I don't know in theory of Dracula, he didn't really have to ever say anything. Again, I'm not trying to make an excuse for his acting chops at all. Cause I really don't have much of a platform to stand on, but, um, I, I actually, I still enjoyed it because he didn't, <laughs> I can agree. Renfield definitely stole the show. And some of the things like when Dracula was seeing, getting caught for like not having a, a reflection and he's like, there's like, Whoosh. Like having his cape come around just like made me giggle. Like one of my I gig- favorite like ones is like them. the 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 children of the night one is is and again like English is his second language. I get it. Like this is there's there's a lot of other like he's not the same type of performer as as these other guys we're talking about. But the uh, the one other thing <laughs> the line I honestly until I I hadn't seen this movie in probably four or five years until recent, like until maybe two or three years ago. Like I took a, like a hiatus of probably four or five years where I didn't see Dracula for whatever reason. And I went back and watched it and the see the uh, line where he's like, Oh, here have some when he, you know, opens the really old bottle of wine. Oh he's yeah. Like, yeah. I never drink. Drink. Why? It's cartoonish. So, yeah. So, I mean, like we're, you guys are kind of like bagging on Bella and like obviously you know the guy playing Renfield is the star of the show mm-hmm. but like I still like Bella in this more than everybody else because everybody else stinks <laughs> on ice <laughs> everybody else everybody else is stinks so nice such an old guy fucking insult <laughs> It is. <laughs> on ice. It is. <laughs> but it but they do. Like everybody else is so wooden and so just like But like terrible. things change so like I I guess I'm I guess I'm okay giving people a little bit of a pass knowing when this came out. Like I get it that this only came out 2 years before. Mm-hmm. But this movie took years to make. Mm-hmm. And sure. also like this between 1930 and 1940 it was like it was that's like saying you know oh computers in 1994 should have been the same as 2004 you know mm-hmm. what i mean like things were moving so fast with this medium in that time frame that like a year was like 10 years yeah but even even compared to the invisible man from 33 yeah, like people in the Invisible Man are acting circles around everybody in Dracula. Like, For the I most mean, part, I mean, I would yeah. say I would say Claude Rains is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd say Claude Rains is head and shoulders above Dwight Fry in this. You know, the, he has. I okay, so I mean, maybe I I what 
trying to think of how to say this. Like, I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, you guys, again, will probably have a different opinion, but like, I felt like at this time and like, if I like looking at all the films is I felt like in ways there were so many characters throughout that it's like had almost these caricatures of these people that they were supposed to be playing. So like, I, I think in my mind, I have this like instant pass. And I thought about that through all three of our films. I was like, yeah, they're like, these are probably a lot of stage actors. They're probably a lot of people who are trying to like almost be yeah, this I mean, I'll even call this thing. out on my own. Like, Jen, I think her name's Jenny. She is the the wife of the innkeeper in my Insane. movie. She plays. She's so Madness. over the top. She, but but then you had also what? What the hell was the name of the guy? The 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 alcoholic guy who got promoted to the superintendent. Willie was his uh, character, but yeah, Spears. Yeah, Spears was was the Jenny in in your movie. You know sure. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and so yeah. I mean, th- so this is why I didn't want to like. I don't like. I mean, I will come out after. I really want to come after like the things that like really stand out. But I think overall, in my mind, like the idea of that, like the actors, as far as how like caricature. Sure, we can make fun of the cops all we want. Um, because again, a cab, but like, I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered by the caricatureness of it. Cause like the, we were, we already mentioned the, the, I forget his name, but he's playing the asylum, uh, orderly in this. Yeah. I don't yeah. remember his name, I'm but he's in so many things. Yeah. He's a, he's a, um, he's a goofy, like he's a goofy character, but he sticks out at least. I don't mind. I don't. I don't mind any of the characters that stick out for being goofy and like Bella sticks out, you know, because he's playing very eccentric. I I hate the wooden, you know, non acting like John Harker and uh, Dr. Seward are. They're just so flat and boring. Even Van Helsing is like off. So I don't mind. I don't mind the wild and crazy characters because at least they Mm -hmm. stick out. Yeah. Everything else is just like I, I'd rather an actor be crazy and chew the scene and be goofy and everything rather than just yeah, be, what yeah. should we do about this? I don't know. I am terrified. Aren't you? Harper, Harper <laughs> is trying to be such a leading man type of thing. Yeah. Um, I don't mind Van Helsing, but it's it's proto Van Helsing. He's boring. Yeah. He's boring science Van Helsing, not crossbow van helsing <laughs> not hugh jackman's <laughs> not hugh jackman van helsing the, yeah. the scene the scene where harker is out on the terrace with mina and <laughs> the fucking scene. dracula bat comes in and just those defeat <laughs> swings he takes at the bat are so <laughs> awful i love that scene it reminds me of like I, here's what i always think is ed wood took that scene yeah and made a whole movie playing that from out of space. The entire movie is based on that scene with the plastic bat flapping and him swinging. Yeah. But it's like you know, it, it, again, they were treating it like a stage production. I would think. I I think that's. I don't know if that's Browning. I don't know. But well, it, and and then also there's Carl Frund who also like there's a co-director on mm-hmm. this, so I don't know how much of which is which. Um, also, just to jump back real quickly to make a note, James Whale is the homosexual director that you're thinking oh, of. Oh, yeah, there you and go. He di- moves, yeah. Yeah, and he directed The Invisible Man and Bride of Frankenstein. So it, and and the original Frankenstein, too, didn't he? Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, he, yeah, he was the universal director. I knew one director. of the big universal directors were, right. were gay. But he, uh, and he was open and out, so. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, that's right, that's right. He was, like, one of the only... Um, yeah. 
uh, maybe not the time he did Frankenstein, but like not long after that. I'm not sure. But yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He was opening out for a lot of his career. So mm-hmm. yeah, just to clear that up. Um, the, the one, my biggest sticking point with Dracula, the, the movie itself, uh, you watch both the invisible men's and the invisible men's have a lot of great effects and a lot of fun set pieces and a lot of great things going on. Uh, I really love in Dracula how everybody just tells us when cool things happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and a lot of them happen off screen, too. Oh, I saw a wolf, did I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but look, it's, it's, a, it's such a different type of movie. I also it's just a want to say, like, to it's that a comment, stage play. again, we're cre- like, you're creating this idea in people's minds. Like, this whole story is completely made up by Bram Stoker, like, in this idea of, like, yeah. I mean, we were able to see the bats. I think it would actually be really funny if they tried because to like have a wolf just like be poking out of like a corner or something. That'd actually yeah, be yeah. pretty hilarious, but it didn't just have like a, a rubber wolf that's like bouncing on a string right beside the bat. Bats running around every- I like I I fucking hear you. I, yeah. I hear well, you even, completely. Even, even- even uh, just removing like the effects element from it, there the, there's a scene where. Uh, Oh, what's his fucking face is talking about how Lucy's back from the dead and, yeah. you know, runs into her and like, you know, like we don't sure. even see that. Like I, I could don't. I could be more forgiving if it was just the one scene where you kind of like if you actually see a wolf and you actually saw Lucy and everything. Uh, the scene where Renfield is describing Dracula visiting him with the sea of red mist and the thousands of rats and everything. Yeah, like he he sells it in such a good way that I can mm-hmm. forgive that one, but mm-hmm. the fact that this is just a theme throughout the whole movie of just like everybody's going to tell us what happens. But the only <laughs> thing that at the same time is that it wasn't that idea wasn't distracting to me because like I felt like the pace still worked for me. You know what I mean? Like the pace still like kept up with it. Whereas like now in my mind, I like I already saw a couple scary things, so now I'm just creating shit in my brain. I don't know if that's how it would be time and place then but like in my mind like i can now i now believe what these people are saying i can envision like how scary these things were if i want to create shit in my brain i'll read a book (laughs) but it's the same idea as a film though like if you're a a film is supposed to show you when i okay i listen to audiobooks all the time and my brain creates imagery for it it's the same that's what i'm saying like no you're reading the book (laughs) <laughs> when you're watching saying, a film, just, you should be shown it. You, you guys are both okay, making okay, such bad being, points, but no, in now two you're different being contra- ways. You're being hypocritical in that. Like, I don't know if that was more so Brian's point or if you agreed with it of saying that, like, these films, for the most part, just tell you what's happening. This movie could have, in theory, like, been longer if we wanted to see all these films or these pieces. But I don't know if they actually were necessary like i just don't know if i because i still felt like i was like i was never bored with this film throughout it even though we were being fed like all these imagery of these ideas that weren't actually shown is like and again renfield like really created this like like haunting scenarios everywhere he's around he's just like no i believed him i was just like holy shit yeah no you definitely saw that and that was definitely scary but also you're super creepy and like you're haunting yourself but like so i'm not trying to distract from that point well no like i said like i said same time i don't know if it was necessary the way the way fry acts that scene is so believable and so good Mm -hmm. but it's just the fact that it happens so many other times and they're not 
fry. They're not being sure. well acted. If you can mm-hmm. well act a ghost story, sure, fine. But also at the same time, a lot of that stuff you either don't have to mention or you can just show it in a small scene and that sure. and it still conveys was Dracula's that the norm, power though, then at that time like no. I just don't know like, well, that's certainly not like, even for a horror movie I, I think there's yeah. two two things that 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 get allow me to forgive this movie a little bit for that type of stuff and yes it in the modern context it feels a little bit gratuitous but I think the one thing is is this is basically a stage production on screen right Right. Um, and this was the movie that kicked off the Universal Horror franchise. Yes, they did, you know, the 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 silent films before that. And, and like, I, I really like um, Phantom of the Opera. Like, I think that is some genuinely scary parts, although there has mm-hmm. a lot of boring, boring parts, too. Sure. Um, this is the one that made the mold for everything after that. So there was a lot of improvement that happened after that but i think some of those sensibilities of the 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 tell don't show stuff is a little bit symptomatic of the fact that yes this had a bigger budget than the vast majority of similar genre films prior to this but it also was still a genre film Mm-hmm. And genre films didn't get those big giant budgets back then. I mean like i said talkies were only a few years old at this point. So i think I think you can give it like I tend to give it a little bit more leeway because of the the context and where it exists in history. Um, the other thing I'll mention is some of the things like the the children of the night, you know, not showing the wool for, you know, hey, this happened. Oh, do you see that thing off screen or whatever? Those things are like pretty big tropes now b- because of this movie. But in this movie when somebody watched it, it was just set or not set dressing. It was just window dressing. You know what I mean? It Mm -hmm. was just like, Hey, let's throw a couple throwaway lines to, to make the atmosphere feel atmosphere feel a little bit more creepy. But then Mm -hmm. of course there's been so much lore and this movie set the freaking world on fire and it spawned all these other iconic movies that every little bit of detail and storyline and every line is dissected to a point that it's probably been turned into an entire different movie. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So I I guess I give it a little bit more leeway in that, in that way, but it is rougher Sure. The most because it came again, so early. I have nothing to really defend in that regard because I feel like, again, the time and place of it. But I even think back to scenes like where Dracula is clearly like he had already killed Lucy and we are now like he's like, I see Mina. Mina's going to be my second wife again. Hose in different area codes. We're gathering them up. Um, and just like where we have mina's father and we have Van helsing and we have what's his fuck again the guy we don't really have to remember her fiance jonathan harker uh, (laughs) harker harker sucks he's the worst part of the movie um but like i still felt that fear because of like that foundation in the beginning of like we know we know and they don't. And so they're still acting in this very naive way. So again, I, I really still like the way I was able to feel that. And I'm like, bitch, you're going to die. Like, you're just going to like, you're so dumb and you're going to die. And that's fine. <laughs> so I think like all the things that like we don't get seen, I think I maybe gave a pass for those because I think of the way that, again, it could have just been my brain, but I feel like still the things that were built around it 
I was like, no, still, we're creating a scene where things are just very scary. And no one believes Renfield because they think he's just gone mad, which in theory he did. And I didn't get to talk about, I will just like touch on the scene of my favorite scene, which if you're friends with me on Facebook, you saw that I changed my uh, like banner to this of like Renfield staring up from the ship when Dracula oh, was yeah, being when he's taken down in from the hall. Yeah. Transylvania to London. Like, oh my God, just like, you could feel like the madness of like Dracula taking over him and like completely, which obviously reading into it, um, Dracula was like basically kind of drugging people for a while, which is also accounting for why Renfield was not actually turned. Anywho, moving yeah, on. Yeah, that's the best. I mean, that and then, of course, the big grand, you know, set piece with the stairs. Um, those are yeah. the two best scenes in the movie for sure. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm. Totally. Um, and I don't know, like, really to describe every last scene of it, you know, Mina, for sure, she gets bit. And um, but everyone like Van Helsing deduces that like, I have this idea and I understand what a vampire is based on all these things where he shows Renfield, the Wolfsbane and then is able to then go after, um, Dracula and kill him, ultimately saving Mina and Mina comes, is able to be alive again. Um, you have comments. So no, I, I like the crypt. Like, I I like the I like that scene in the kind of in the crypt. Yeah, um, totally. I mean, it ha- it's really cool, atmospheric. It ends very abruptly, which is kind of a thing that happened with a lot of movies back then. So it's not yeah, well, really that weird. It was like a little slowing to that point where it's like we still had the slow capture of Mina. You know, Dracula mm-hmm. is like going to Renfield, being like, "You betrayed me, you motherfucker." And then get then getting to that scene, it slows down again. You know what I mean? They definitely have mm-hmm. this like weird pacing between the two yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, the, the third act of a lot of these movies are all over the place, I find. <laughs> but that's just that's just they didn't know how to write endings. They were, yeah, they endings really are didn't. hard. Yeah. yeah. But and, and and that's why it just winds up with like, I'm Dracula, I'm gonna take her to my hole. And then, oh, everybody knows I live here. And then I my put her, hole. I put her in a different box. But I'm still my in my Dracula box. Hole. Yeah, I'm still in my box. I don't hide differently. That would <laughs> like, definitely be a porn called Dracular oh. Hole. <laughs> Dracular Hole. Oh, he puts her in a different hole, but then he goes back into his hole. Yeah. What is he gonna yeah. do? He doesn't have Renfield there to help him move his box but around. He doesn't, he doesn't hey, think to plan at he's all. He's just gotta go night night for the night. You know, he's just gotta yeah. go night yeah. night. Um, but anywho, when you buy a big castle with a giant crypt you think i am gonna put this here casket and i ain't gonna have to move it again you think to yourself this is the last casket i'm ever gonna buy and i'm gonna put it right here (laughs) yeah but that jackass that jackass didn't set up any locks on his door he didn't have a ring to fucking see who's at the door (laughs) yeah well he should be able to see he's got goddamn telepathic powers yeah (laughs) telepathic dracular powers i mean he didn't even think hey i'll just be a bat on the ceiling of this thing (laughs) they won't ever suspect me so now now you're critiquing vampire lore in general no i'm I'm critiquing this specific dracula of being a (laughs) dum-dum but no and that's why it all just kind of leads to this weird ending of like he just throws her somewhere else, puts himself in his box that everybody would suspect him to be in. And then he just gets killed. Like, and then, and then Van Helsing's like, okay, everybody leave. I can't leave yet, but everybody else leave. Bye. I got to jerk off or something in the basement. (laughs) Yeah. I imagine Renfield is furious masturbator, (laughs) but here's the other thing with, with this movie 
you never hear anybody talk about the ending. No, because it's it's a it's a bad ending. Yeah. Um, but there are several other ones. I mean, do you hear people talk about the the ending for uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon? No, because no, they're kind all, of a bad ending. Yeah, they're all bad endings at this point. Like I said, nobody could write an ending before 1960. Mm, <laughs> Invisible Man ending is kind of good, and it's, also it's all right. And also, uh, the 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 uh, the Wolfman ending is pretty good. I like the Wolfman ending too. Yeah. Hey, we're talking about Dracula's right now, Brian. Bring yeah, it back. bad bring ending. It back. So bring, bring it, it back. Fine. Bad ending. That's fine. Bad ending. <laughs> Let's wrap this up. It's okay. Right. We understand it. It gets a pass. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Also, um, the, also, the whole conceit of this film doesn't make a whole lot of sense because there's no way British people would let Slavs move in next door. <laughs> fuck, Never dude. under any circumstances. <laughs> Never. Not in this time period. But again, for- he can hypnotize you and he says, nope, you're going to fucking like me. Well, and also um, if Renfrield was doing his bidding, Renfrield, mm-hmm. Renfrield is British. Fair enough. Yeah. 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 He for did sure. all the paperwork. He's going to have all his, his, his name on his His paperwork. man's British. Yeah. <laughs> His, go, his man boy. His, his man man's, boy. Go talk to my man's. He's yeah. British. All right, boys. Um, <laughs> my man's is British anywho, as hell. I, you guys can pick holes all you want. I just like love how iconic this movie is, and I think I appreciate all the tropes that it created. I understand none of these movies at all. <laughs> perfect. But I do. Th- I do think though, that, like the historical, like at like. This movie, in my mind, like represents what we're talking about. You know what I mean? And I think it represents one of the best ones of it. Whether or not you can pick holes in all of it, I still think it set the stage for all of these other things to come, which is why, ultimately, it is the boom. I, I have <laughs> I have two more points, just two final notes. Okay. One. Go ahead. I, I love the noted Romanian fauna in Dracula's castle Dang. of the American possum and armadillo. Yeah, okay, can we talk about okay. that for just a Listen, that possum, was like, I would have bit I would have bit on possum cuz I don't know. Yeah. There's more soupials in, yeah, sure. in in Eastern Europe. Yeah. But armadillo? <laughs> That's weird. That's funny. Uh, yeah. the other my other note is, do you think this is the first time people walked out of the theater and said the book was better? No. <laughs> No, no, because they already, saw, they already ah. saw the stage, so they were comparing it to the stage. Oh, yes, this was a play. That, yeah, you're right. This was this was in their mind. We just saw a play being projected on a screen. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. There's simpletons. It made it more accessible. Honestly, <laughs> wow, you're making fun of the simpletons that had a more accessible version of this mm-hmm. remake of this book. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Steve, you're so fucking mean. You're just like, yeah. he's elitist. He's, he's just an, he's he's, he's elitist. an elitist when it comes to time. Yeah. And the passage of time. Yep. Um, all right, guys, I'm not going to go the whole way through my movie because we pretty much no, already, we, talked, we about already talked about I'm it. I'm also going to say this and I will straight up say that I, 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 I really love the invisible man. This could have been for me, my favorite universal monster movies. This could have been invisible. Obviously, I picked Invisible Man, but I could have picked The Wolfman or I could have picked Frankenstein's. Those three, I think, are are on the same level. I think Bride of Frankenstein is right b- below that, but I don't think it's as horror focused. It's a little bit more of like a, um, I don't know, like it makes you feel for the monster too much. I don't know. Anyway, um, this movie, um, like so Steve already said this a little bit. And one only other thing I wanted to add to it. So it's based on the um, 1897 book by H.G. Wells uh, of the same name, but it also has a humongous amount of influence by 
um, the Philip Wiley book from 1931, The Murderer Invisible, which if you read that book, which I, I listen, I'm not trying to brag. I read books, you guys. <laughs> I have read both of those books. And that one actually has a lot more to do with this movie. Like the 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 character that Claude Rains uh, uh, is going for is really way more has way more in common with with the lead character from the murder invisible. But Claude Rains uh, plays Jack Griffin. Claude Rains, uh, you know, you would know him from a lot of things, Casablanca amongst them, but a, a lot of different genre films um, and uh, crime films, just a ton of different stuff. Um, he was actually in uh, The Wolfman, too. Right. He was um, he was the cousin or brother or whatever that. Uh, oh, cousin shit. Brother? What's his name? We know how that cousin or brother. No, <laughs> that that, you know, when when Lon Chaney Jr. goes, you know, because his brother has died and he goes mm. overseas to, like, get all the family shit in order. The guy he goes and meets. That's Claude Rains as well. Right. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. John Talbot. John Talbot. That's Talbot, who he plays. So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, also uh, uh, Flora Cranley, played by Gloria Stewart, um, is awesome because a uh, little bit of trivia here. First of all, she was an actual badass in real life. She was like had a, she was like super um, socially and, and politically involved. And she actually was like led all these like anti-fascist groups in Hollywood and stuff. And she was also old rose in titanic that throws oh. that throw yeah um that's pretty sick that th- throws oh. throws the heart of the ocean in you know maybe she had influence on how all these cops are portrayed in these movies maybe possibly. <laughs> quite possibly, quite possibly. <laughs> they um, are bumbling assholes every one of them they are definitely bumbling assholes <laughs> um james james well we already talked about you know frankenstein bride of frankenstein um you know re- really well known um uh you know iconic film director. So I I won't go through the plot too much. I'll start out by saying the opening scene of this movie, the opening, you know, few sequences of this movie are fucking perfect in my mind. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love it. And the ending, frankly, and there's a, there's some silliness in between and it's almost a black comedy at times, but the opening scene of Jack Griffin walking through the snowstorm and coming in. I mean, this is the influence for so many scenes. I mean, if you watch freaking American Werewolf in London, like so many iconic scenes are based upon this Jack Griffin walking out of the snowstorm into the hotel full of full of townies, um, you know, demanding a room and, and food and beer and not to be disturbed. And then, you know, him trying to keep his cool, like through all of his madness and stuff like that. I honestly, then, uh, if I can just interject, like I just want to echo, yeah. I really enjoyed it. I felt like what this film did really well was just like from the beginning, you're instantly just like, what the fuck is up with this dude? Like, he's yeah, there's t- mystery like, he, he right a, off he, the bat. Yes, exactly. 
he is a very mysterious character. You have no idea like what he can do, but he comes off with this also this presence because like the madness really isn't there, but there is like this essence of like that aggression that you like you show up and he's like very direct and you don't know well, what the very, fuck is going on. It's either. very gradual, which I love because yeah. at first he's just kind of curt with people and rude right. or, or whatever. And you could chalk it up to, oh, he's just kind of a dickhead or he's just cold or tired or whatever. And also and those people are annoying. So he's kind of justified. Yeah, and he's, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. They're kind of like bumbling dickheads anyway. So like then it comes to like full out rude aggressive and then ultimately like murderous maniacal. So I think two, two things um, which it's impossible not to directly, you know, compare these to, to Steve's movie. But there's two things that I think put this one above returns. One, in both movies, you see very little of the, the of the, the invisible man, obviously, until the very end. Right. So you don't see their face. You can't see them emote, you know, with their face. Um, and Claude Rain's voice as much as I love Vincent Price, he can't hold a candle to Claude Rains in terms of the voice acting part of it. The 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 aggressiveness, the the gruffness, like this, just the scariness of the way he emotes with his voice just knocks Vincent Price out of the water. I think um, he. As a character, but he's I will way also more... like make the note that we are looking at two different time periods. Like, I, I really can't ignore, especially after learning about it, that preco thing. Is that I do think once we got to the second Invisible Man, that there were just certain standards that, like, but you couldn't they were, be it, a good voice like, actor. No, no, no. But I don't think that. I feel like is... I feel like the character of like what how he had to perform that character was more dictated by standards of Hollywood at that point versus you mean he had to pushing. be nice I think there was a certain level of like there he wasn't going to be as curt or rude or um, aggressive as it, he was in your or as that character was going to be in your film is what I'm going to say but I think that speaks to the fact that he had to be like he had to they wanted it was written in the script he was a good guy Whereas Claude Rains is not a good guy. No, what he's I'm not a good guy. Is that the time and, what yeah. I'm saying is that the time and place of it is that from your film to his film is that shit changed in Hollywood. And I think like no matter how they wrote this character, it had to get he had to become almost like less scary. You're also you're also talking about so two not, different like, characters. I understand right. that, but I think the idea of the character. No, I'm, ag- had to I'm agreeing with I'm agreeing with yeah. you, Meg. Sure. In that, in that, you're talking about sure. two different characters. In that, Claude Rains's character is a scientist who turns himself mad and does mm-hmm. this, whereas Vincent Price's character, Radcliffe, is a fancy boy dandy who mm-hmm. is thrown into a world of madness. Right. So, like, it just he. That's why I. I don't think I. I, I agree that Claude Rains gives a masterful performance in this film, but I don't think his is better than Vincent Price. I just don't think they're comparable because they're two yeah, different, little, two different it's motivations. A little, it's a little apples to oranges. I will agree with that. But I think when you have a movie, like the burden lies on the sequel to make, to make 
totally. the character that was so scary in the first movie be scary again and they but don't what I what I ultimately it. want to make the point is what I was getting at was that like I preferred how terrifying Invisible Man was in one because of how aggressive it was and like there was a lot of there was a lot of killing he was more unhinged shit was just more wild and like I did like that I just like always have to acknowledge between the two is that like stuff changed between and um so like I'm keeping that in mind when I look at Invisible Man Returns Plus, plus, if the ultimate goal of the Invisible Man Returns is to give him a redemption, then you can't make him too scary or too violent. You know, you just can't have him go as far because it's harder to bring him back and have the audience and have the audience accept it. And I think that's what neutered it as a horror movie is. And that's why it never really lived up to the standards of a horror movie like it felt more like a a sci-fi drama really more than there there was nothing i mean the invisible man the first one is is very sci-fi oriented it is a sci-fi horror movie right but the second one it has all the sci-fi elements which it borrows pretty directly from the first movie so it doesn't really deliver anything new from a sci-fi standpoint compared we get to the a better idea movie. about the um serum to like bring him back though how yeah, we they, didn't use it we we realized that it didn't work yeah you know mousey I mean, but, mouse died yeah mouse. The, the, yeah whatever. it was, was a gerbil it was a know. guinea Answer. pig it's a guinea pig you rubes learn <laughs> learn your varmints <laughs> um but anyway you're he, the um, rat king over here <laughs> <laughs> all hail ratma <laughs> the rat king um i just thought of the ninja turtles rat king um anyway uh yeah so so i don't know it just didn't it didn't feel there there wasn't a monster right in in this movie there was like a threat of a monster that never happened in return um but yeah so so we talked about that i won't i won't belabor it too much um, The monster was society yeah i know fuck that what are you, what are you fucking jordan peele all right anyway so J- jenny uh jenny is great I, I was looking this up i swear to god somebody maybe somebody out there can help us with this but jenny who is the the innkeeper's um a wife who comes up and she's like oh i forgot the mustard well didn't i <laughs> you know all that shit but when she, she is comes so up, extra she's I so love her. extra across uh, the board she's, she's a vaudeville performer too i'm well, she 90% hates her husband but she also sure. is like no one fucks with my husband yeah. besides me uh, yeah she she for, so i swear she is ebenezer scrooge's um um housekeeper that tears the you know the 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 curtains uh, the bed curtains down and all that oh, stuff. Okay. And it has it's the time to get out, Mister Scrooge. I swear it's one of a. It's not Alice. Is I think it's the one with Alistair Sims. I forgot to look it up. Um, and I was looking through her IMDb just now, and I w- I couldn't see any Christmas Carol versions, but it was a very early mm. Christmas Carol version where I swear she played the best version of Ebenezer Scrooge's um, uh, housekeeper. But anyway, we'll figure that out later. Um, you know, Constable ja- Constable Japper, who is, you know, hey, what's all this? And, you know, he comes up <laughs> and he's got the thing. He's like, don't make me pull out the cuffs, you know. And so it's like you have this guy who's this very, like, learned, um, you know. Can joke s- at one point? Is that yeah. because we're talking about of, like, at this point, 
many people who are gay like were not coming out as like the sidebars some of the guys that were in the crowd were probably like please do it daddy like someone said that someone has <laughs> yeah. that thought completely what if what it was like who has handcuffs and they all pulled out fuzzy pink handcuffs <laughs> um clutch clutch yeah the 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 second tavern scene too this is what i love about this is it took so many big ass swings like not only did you know hit when he pulls off it's still kind of creepy to this day and like whenever he goes you all want to see, you know, what I look like, you know, you're all, you're all peeking out of the curtains or whatever the line is. And he's you like, want to see my duke? <laughs> he's like, I'm going to show, you know what you want to see? I'll show you. And he starts pulling it off and he just comes completely unhinged. Like the, his voice communicate, like he's fucking bat shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, um, yeah, totally. And you're like, what is this guy going to do? And he's like, I think I'll throttle you. You know, it's just like- which it, it totally like all that totally works. And then it gets undermined by him doing a Dennis the Menace around the neighborhood. Like, oh, yeah, he's just out there but doing he's wild. Crazy, he's, but he's crazy. He's out there wild. Yeah, no, he's crazy. I'm just saying that. he goes not, he I'm goes just... from throttling, which is like, I'm going to kill this fucking cop to oh, well, got you hat. kill him. <laughs> I don't know why that's a point for you, Steve, because you you understand that his character, he's just unhinged and crazy. Yeah. Well, he doesn't kill anybody yet. He goes from being like spooky where he's starting to like turn, but then he's just like, ooh, everything's silly and goofy. Like the laughs that we get throughout this, like this guy is just mad. Well, and I love him. So he does choke. And I'm not defending this film specifically, but I'm just saying this character is what I'm I'm just I'm just saying it's it's like going from attempted murder okay he didn't murder attempted murder to then he dennis just the chokes medicine him out it's just a good old choke out <laughs> give him the smelling salts he's coming back he power bombed him and we didn't even you see him you think that per, that that constable japper or whatever his name is you think he didn't get choked out three or four times that week already i'm sure he did i'm sure he got i'm sure he got walloped he's, over the head uh, he yeah, had a concussion from two days ago asphyxiation <laughs> i don't know i just maybe you know instead of like attempted murder he just like pulls his pants down and fucking pushes them over <laughs> he does, pulls his pants up yeah. <laughs> he spanked my ball he gave me a, he gave me a right spanking in front of all those other men and i didn't care for it much <laughs> they seem to like it quite a bit um so anyway, um, so the second scene, this is when shit gets like really dark is when he in the second scene, in the tavern where they're all, you know, posseed up and you now have the 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 chief of police there. And he's basically saying, you guys are all a bunch of nitwits and fuck off and blah, blah, blah. And then he comes out of nowhere. And when he throws the ink in the chief's face and then um, and then chokes him and then smashes his fucking dome with a stool yeah. like it gets pretty brutal I'm in, sick in of that this scene guy's hijinks yeah yeah and they just smash his head and then the, the you know one other scene i'll call out specifically which i absolutely love is when he shows up at kemp's house mm-hmm. like i can imagine in 1933 that scared the living shit out of people you know what I mean? With him just sneaking up in there and basically saying, like, you know, you know, sit there. I'm going to I'm going to grab this fucking fire poker and bash your head in with it. Yeah. You know, um, 
great great fucking scene and then he goes upstairs and is like give me pjs <laughs> but also that that um that scene we talked about the you know the black velvet thing and all that stuff but i apparently um two things i thought were really interesting as i was kind of researching this a little bit more one was that scene where he unwraps the bandages over his face in the mirror was apparently like wildly complex to shoot there was like four different developments like mm-hmm. stacked on top of each other where there was one with like his body from behind one with of course the room with nobody in it one with his f- like face with the black velvet on it that was in the mirror um it was just absolutely wild um so uh, i think uh, oh the other thing i thought was pretty interesting was claude rains um apparently he um he was like a captain or something like a fairly high ranking made his way up to a fairly high ranking in the military in world war one and he I, apparently he was gassed during the war oh so he had like ptsd and all kind of like health issues from being gassed during the war so like covering his face with all those bandages and stuff was like apparently fucking grueling for him hmm. really um yeah which was it just which brought was him back pretty wild. it just reminded me of um of lon cheney senior you know and all the shit that he would go through when he put on all of his own makeup mm-hmm. you know um back in the in the vaudeville days and then with uh freaking uh uh you know uh fan of the opera and all that anyway claude rain's character is you know he's just kind of consumed with not only just like power and ego but greed as well like he's like they're gonna pay millions of dollars for mm-hmm. for this you know on all this stuff so it's just like it's really like he is purely evil and and i think the idea is he was evil before he took the serum likely um um, which, which, you know, cause he was motivated by all of these things. Um, and then the, another really like people probably shit their pants in 1933 where he basically gives them the, a, I'm a kill you at 10 o'clock situation. <laughs> and which is just such a wild thing to say, but then he actually mm-hmm. does it and launches the goddamn car off the cliff like that was oh, an incredible yeah. scene yeah no no you i know. feel like even in those scenes too just like there was such this like again we're being told what's going to happen but like you happens yeah. and again i'm putting myself time and place like it that's intense like you're like yeah. no no one would ever think to possibly just like do that to a person you're like no no and <laughs> also it. the way he talks <laughs> like he was back then the old uh what's he say to him he's like and you're a cowardly rat and blah, blah, blah. He just is like berating him mm-hmm. in like a pretty brutal way. And I'm like, I wonder if that was the 1933 equivalent of your mother sucks cocks now. Like, so, yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting because like mm-hmm. earlier in the film, the 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 lady, she the yeah. the the innkeeper's wife, she comes Jenny. down after she gets screamed at. And yeah. she tells her husband, he's like, he's been swearing at me and he's mean and he knocked the thing out of my hand. And it's like, he didn't swear at you. So like, <laughs> you liar. What, was, what would have been considered a, a swear word though at that point? But I mean, I guess maybe at that um, time, get out was a swear. Like, just, yeah, like <laughs> shut up. Yeah. yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. We don't say that in this house. <laughs> uh, we'll go, like, uh, I'm just going to throw a couple of things out because we already talked about these. But um, first of all, kills a cop right off the bat. Then Fine. throws, throws randos off a cliff. Just throws them off cliffs. Yeah. Launches their Dumps ass off over. cliffs. Then kills 100 pe- innocent people just for no reason. <laughs> just for fun. <laughs> How did they That's- know he did it? List of hobbies killing people. Yeah. 
Well, they never explain that they know that he did it, but I think there was suspicion. And then in the in the second movie is where they had somehow this is a proven spree that killing he did of sorts. it. Yeah, he's berserker mode at this point. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, I think this will do nicely. Camp, we talked about that scene a little bit. Um, and then here's the here's the best part about it. It's it's he fucking dies at the end. The footprints in the snow, great scene mm-hmm. there. Um, but then he dies. But so yeah, they came done. up with this very elaborate plan because they yeah. knew he was sleeping. See, this is why you don't fucking sleep, guys. You gotta sleep. You, you, you gotta sleep. I mean, you classic, gotta get your sleepies in. Classic like, human need. <laughs> but he's gotta kind eat. of not gotta fully sleep. human. Let's be real. Yeah. But he was found, and I mm-hmm. like. I mean, I kind of like that whole that this plan came together. It also gave this like. I understand why this is happening and I, why, why yeah. he's getting caught is that like at some point he does have to stop. He's happy to well, get caught. And also he becomes, Let's I think it's, it's a little down. bit of a testament is, is, is not only are they smoking him out of his hole, literally, really? um, and, and shooting him down. But like, I think the idea is he had lost his humanity, you know, mm-hmm. in, in this, in this mad so grab for power and money, he lost his humanity and then was ultimately dispatched like you would, you know, fucking, you know, fox that's robbing your hen house or something. But visually, because he's sleeping in a barn like an animal. Yeah. And, right. you know, mm-hmm. they just basically, like, they don't even take any attempts at, you know, arresting him or anything. They just all no. hold hands and then shoot a man in cold yeah, blood shoot your ass when you while also, here, yeah. like, setting him mm-hmm. on fire. Like... <laughs> yeah, like there's yeah. no attempt at all at like let's take him alive <laughs> no no right. they tried that and then he gave everyone wedgies yeah. um <laughs> yeah so just it's just a no, great sci-fi scenes um you know way more chaotic horror and everything than than that I, you know than than the sequel like i said claude rain's performance is just second to none for me across the entire franchise for, or across the entire like i can't think of a better performance in any of the 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 movies any of the universal movies um yeah but it also like gives into like okay it's gonna bring this back around mm-hmm. and this movie does also bring into the effect of like we're scared of what we don't see and right. I, you know what i mean so like i think there's still this level of imagination though we're seeing all this like ter- like horrific stuff happening you still in essence like we don't know what he looks like we don't know what he's doing and like that is part of the fucking horror of it all which Mm -hmm. again bringing it back to my film is like it's okay if we have to make things up in our brain as far as like what the terror is Mm. steve yeah you might be barking up you might be barking up the wrong tree on that one stop (laughs) (laughs) whatever i i think it was an okay point people can can back me up (laughs) All right, so where, where so where are we at here? Does anybody have anything else they wanted to bring up about uh, ab- about about my flick? I mean, I just think the cops and the townspeople are a little too fucking bumbling. Like <laughs> it's funny the way they're all calling in and like, well, what if you wait till he, you know, uh, why don't you cover the streets and tour? How about you, does he, and yeah, then follow to the Blackfoot Press? Totally was a bit excessive. I think in, in essence, though. Though the like character as Invisible Man in the first one was like already menacing enough, all of this like bumbliness enhanced that 
Whereas yeah. we didn't get as much of that in the second, in like the second one. But so we didn't like, even I talk about the camera in the second one and how it just like, let's move the camera around real fast. And that means he must be up a tree. And then five, one oh, second yeah, later, really he's down. Silly. That was an insanely uh, silly scene. It was, and then the I thing was kind of like, actually annoyed by yeah. it. Um, sorry. And, and like you have that scene in the, in my movie where he runs out of the hotel or not the hotel, the tavern. Um, and they watch the, the feed and stuff like that because that's all well, they got. And, and he bowls through, you know, probably 10 people, knocks them out of the way. They're, of course, right. not expecting that. In your movie, Steve, he runs around in circles for a half an hour and levels 150 men <laughs> like just running yeah. through them it's like it was like it looked like the freaking running of the bulls he's playing fucking knockout game invisible it rules. <laughs> the, the bull is yeah. invisible it's like yeah totally he's strong as hell so there was plenty of my point is there's plenty of silliness yeah no yeah. i mean there's no, something no, yeah sure. there's silliness and then i just i don't i don't know the, All three. the, the ending even though the visuals are cool of like the footprints in the snow and everything, mm-hmm. it's all just like, a, I don't know, it's a little too, and again, it, nobody can write an ending, but it's just, it's a little too coincidental that just like he lays down in that barn and then gets discovered. Like, like why but wouldn't he, he, why wouldn't he put himself up in like a higher space somewhere where he wouldn't just get discovered just to get discovered. Well, he was a little, he was a little mad with like, he, he was, he was so arrogant at that point mm-hmm. that he's like, I am untouchable. And then it just victim of circumstance. I do like that. They actually had the, 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 the doofy farmer comes out, hears him snoring mm-hmm. and then goes to the cops. Lies and actually breathing. Makes, <laughs> he goes, I think that, yeah. Whereas it could have just been like, Oh, we're walking down the road and there's some footprints. Let's go into this barn. You know what I mean? Yeah. I do like that they made that extra scene back at the police station with him talking to the cops and yeah. saying, like, I might be crazy, but I'm pretty sure this is what's happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. I, I don't know that I hate it or not. It's just one of those things that it like it stuck. It sticks out to me because just because it's so weird and just because they spend mm-hmm. so much time planning, making all these mm-hmm. other plans to catch him. But he gets caught mm-hmm. this way, and it's and it's reduced to such a base. I don't know. I guess maybe I do kind of love it because it's reduced to such mm-hmm. a base coincidence of you know mm-hmm. this guy discovering him, and then they're just like, you know what? No more fucking plans. We're gonna burn him down and shoot him in the snow. <laughs> yeah, fuck him. Yeah, yeah. We're going Frank. We're going Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, yeah, it's, it's such a Frankenstein <laughs> ending. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no. Right. I think we're good to come down to brass tacks and talk about. Are we, we really vote ready to vote? Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Right. I mean, are any of us changing our votes? I don't know if we are. No, I'm not changing mine. No, of course not. I we am never not do. Changing mine up. I, I have mean, before. We've we've gotten close. Haven't um, I? I think I did. I did at least once. You, mm. All right, Steve. You get to choose the vote of who. Who do you want to decide first? Uh, we're gonna go run reverse order, and Brian votes first. Okay. Man, I I, I mean. I was going to vote. I was definitely going to vote for Steve's movie to start out because I like Dracula, but it's not one of my favorite Universal Monster movies. It's kind of like the one that kicked it off. But the more we talked about Returns, the less I liked it, even more. <laughs> like it just all the things that I liked about it, all the things I liked about it are things I also liked about the first one. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, 
So they're 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 what it didn't bring a lot of new to the party. And also something about just making a character in this movie the brother of the character in the first movie is so cheap to me. <laughs> it just reeks of like cash grab. You know what I mean? Yeah, cash grab so, sequel. <laughs> yeah. So it it was a good sequel, but it wasn't horror enough, I think, for me. S- despite having Vincent Price in it. Um, I, I honestly, I, I'm, I'm think I'm going to switch it because I was going to go with that one, but I think I'm going to switch it and go Dracula. Okay. Okay. Um, my turn. Um, so I ultimately like I, in watching both of these for the first time in this, I, I echo in that idea of like, I, I felt like the theme and the stories behind them were so similar, but I really do like the aggressiveness and like the horror elements that the first one put forth more so than the second one. And I'm going with Invisible Man. Okie dokie. And I mean, I just, I just pull the, pull the bandaid yeah, off, no, Steve. I just, knew, I just, I knew it was going to happen as soon as I watched the movie. I didn't. Oh yeah. no. Yeah. I just knew it was going to happen as soon as I watched the movie. And as soon as Brian said he was going to pick it. Yeah. I was hoping Brian wasn't going to pick the original Invisible Man, but yeah. Yeah. Just go with that one. Cause it, uh, it, it does everything that the sequel does. Uh, and you know, I think the, they're both worth watching and, you know, like I was saying at the beginning, Returns perfects a lot of the effects and everything. And obviously Vincent mm-hmm. Price's performance is very worth watching. But yeah, there, there's something and especially it's the scene between Claude Rains and uh, his girlfriend as he's just like trying to hold everything in. And he's not looking at her in oh, the face. Yeah, We didn't even talk about that. It's, it's probably yeah. like the best scene out of all three films. Where he's just mm, like, I completely forgot about that scene. And it, it and it's what you were talking about before, Brian, or just like how everything had to be done through body language. His body language mm-hmm. is fantastic because you can see he's holding everything in and he's like kind of wringing his hands, but he's holding himself back. But then mm-hmm. he just starts losing grip with reality and he's skeleton by the end of the scene, he's skeletor cursing the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, but I just want to make a life for both of us, and then eventually they're gonna suck my toes <laughs> as I pour million dollars over. And everybody's yeah, gonna like, eat he, my ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just uh, he just devolves into this insane, <laughs> you know, power hung hungry grandeur in mm-hmm. that scene. Um yeah but uh yeah so so is what you're saying i ain't saying taking home that fucking strap i ain't saying but if somebody can do the math on it (laughs) but i ain't saying (laughs) all right your boy the belt's coming back home with daddy um all right I would love to. <laughs> I hated it so hated much. It. Ooh, the coming back Thanks, home I hate it. <laughs> so, um, so I, I'll have to think, guys. I'll have to think. We're going to come up with a little punishment um, for you guys and your insolence um, to discuss uh, on the next. Maybe you know what? Maybe we will jump into an early, an early holiday horror. I don't know. We're going to keep you on the ropes here until next week, where I'll, I'll or uh, until we you know we find out what that's going to be. So, all right. 
Guys, we've done it. We did. Steve's got mad face. Um, Steve Meg's is mad pissed. face. I'm um, actually a little less pissed right now because Steve lost first mm, and foremost. Yeah. And you two, didn't want- I don't, I honestly don't feel like my movie was that bad so it just is. you guys up against yourself <laughs> it's just not and i'm not gonna believe you steve no I like, you, I, you can suck but, my dick dude we have so <laughs> many better dracula movies now and yours is just a stage play classic classic guys, bud guys silence silence <laughs> you can't silence your insolence me. you can't silence your me. insolence peasants never um never! all right we will come back with a uh with a little yeah punishment episode i just have a feeling you're not gonna be nice to us this time no no there's been too much nice i'm so sick of nice guys Fuck i'm so off. sick of nice i'm gonna do something horrible to you <laughs> okay. um all right, tune in next week to find out I what type like of it. horrifying film um, that uh, that I throw their way. And as always, like I said, follow us over on the social medias and figure out you know what's on them episodes. You can suggest topics for us, do all those lovely things. Um, all right, I think that's it, guys, for the Halloween is Forever crew. I'm Brian. I'm Meg. I'm Steve. Just plain old Steve. <laughs> Just plain old Steve. See you later. Bye. <laughs>